This is Sid Haig for Nightmare Junkhead. Listen, or I'll come over there and put my boot all up in your ass. In and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that is totally comfortable uttering terms of endearment. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're taking our final journey into the mouth of March Madness as we welcome members of the Horrorversary Podcast and the Corpse Club Podcast as they help us break down the surviving horror classics from our 2008 bracket. But before we get into that, let me remind you we're proud of the phenomenally frightening Phantom Podcast Network. Phantom. And you can find all of our past episodes along with a host of other horrific horror podcasts at downrightcreepy.com. Or if you're like me and you like to listen to us on the go, simply search for Nightmare Junkhead in your iTunes or SoundCloud app. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your planking hole. Our, our journey into the mouth of March Madness is mm-hmm. its coming to a close with this episode. And we're already in the round of the Scream 16. Uh, so at this point and after this episode, it is up to you, our listeners. Mm-hmm. We will be posting polls on social media, Twitter at Nightmare Junk, on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead, and on Instagram on non-podcast. We'll do a little cheating there. <laughs> uh, but it, this would not be possible without all the other podcasts that we've had on so far. Absolutely. So let's give them a real quick shout out here. Um, guys, we had the Classics Horror Clubs podcast, uh, the Horror Business podcast, mm-hmm. uh, the From My Parents Basement podcast, the Cadaver cast. With my buddy Al. Uh, friends at last, friends at last. <laughs> Al's, Al's the best. He is the man. Uh, Attack of the Killer podcast and the Damn Fine cast. So guys, do me, do us a favor. Go out there, listen, subscribe, spread the good word of mm-hmm. all of these podcasts. They're phenomenal. They deserve... A, they just—they deserve a bigger audience. Sow the seeds of evil. And speaking of podcast uh, and the Phantom Podcast Network, Phantom. it is always, always like with a good drinking game. <laughs> is what we really like with the whole tournament is a chance to promote other people's podcasts, and especially people that we look up to, we admire, our our peers, if you mm-hmm. will, horror peers. Would that be horrors? Horpier. I guess it'd just be horpiers. Horpier. Uh, something. Horror something peers. along those lines. Yeah, fucking horrors. <laughs> well, <laughs> our next guest, you've actually heard him on before. In fact, he was on the Into the Mouth of March Madness episode last year, mm-hmm. the entire tournament with the Phantom Zone podcast. And he returns this time with a brand new one that will be premiering soon. And I can't wait to talk about it because the podcast itself ties perfectly absolutely in with the into the mouth of march madness and what we're doing um welcome back to nightmare junkhead from the horrorversary podcast adrian torres thanks for having me back it's uh, always, of course, I'll have to do a lot of talking here, which is the opposite of what I do on mine. So. Well, tell us a little bit about the Horrorversary podcast. It's it's just Horrorversary. I, I keep thinking oh. about, about putting the in front of it, but Horrorversary just seems simple. I didn't want to add anything else onto it. Extra so. does, like... <laughs> I don't know. I, I like the extra does, the Facebooks, the Googles, the, the Instagrams, the, the does. Well, say, well then, then that's okay. We'll just have that be. It'll be one of those where the nickname's actually longer than the actual yeah. name. So uh, the way that I've chosen to describe it is very simple. It's a podcast that celebrates horror movies celebrating anniversaries. Because when it comes to at, at least how I feel, and you guys are, are fans of horror movies, so you can 
back me up on this, but when it comes to horror more than like possibly any other genre, the fans flock to those anniversaries mm-hmm. and that everybody gets excited when E.T. is, is having its anniversary. Mm-hmm. You've got millions upon millions of people. Well, you might have five people this year that are really excited because Cheerleader Camp is coming out on Blu-ray. And that's that that's completely different. You know, people who are who are like, oh my God, I gotta get online and I gotta order it right now. Cheerleading camp, it has one of the best buckflower performances ever. Your buckflower completist will yes. have that in their collection. And, and I do, because that's how you what, make your pee harder than a nickel bag of their ton dollar bag of nickel jaw breakers. Guess what? There's probably dozens of you out there. <laughs> that's that, that, that's the difference is that horror everybody thinks about you know the big ones you know the the icons and everything but there's so many smaller mm-hmm. horror films that have a huge 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 following and so that that was kind of the genesis was choose movies that are from celebrating 10 20 30 40 50 an- anniversaries and crazy thing about this year is that there are technically as of right now three halloweens that are mm. celebrating different anniversaries. Yep. But remember that there's a new Halloween. <laughs> so ten years from now, when that movie is going to be having its end, exactly. Assuming it has the legs that the original right. had, and that's the whole thing. Then why I'm glad we have you on this particular you know episode mm-hmm. is the fact that the you know the movies we're going to be talking about are the ones that just started to get those legs. Yes. <laughs> that ten year number there. And and a couple of the. Um, the, the ones that we're going to be talking about tonight are actually going to be ones that we're going to cover in, in, in future episodes. And uh, when we get to them, I can't mention any names because I want to keep it a secret, but all I can say is that for two of the big ones that we're going to be talking about and out of the four that we're going to be four we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, out of those four, there's two that I can already tell you I come down on the side on, and those are the ones that we're going to have very, very emphatic guest for that I'm so excited for. And that's what I really like is the fact you are reaching out to people that are just uber passionate yeah. about these films because there's nothing better than listening to people that love films right. with an unir- unironic gaze and just love every single thing about them that know all the little intimate details about the films yeah. and just being able to sit back and talk and listen. Love it. Well, we had I, I had you guys on as as the first guest. Well, first of all, you're you're closer than everybody else, so yeah. that's, <laughs> proximity that's rules. Yeah. Proximity um, rules. Yep. We're we're good friends. We'll admit that here. And then at at the same time, it's one of those when I was thinking, I was like, what's a good a good you know place to start off? We can start out with the movie that most people know, and we can have two people that bounce off each other really well, but are also going to kind of you you two. Oh. Yeah. Good job. Good job. Good job. I'm trying to give you compliments here. Thanks. Thanks. He's not used to hearing kind things about I'm not. I'm not. I'm I'm usually running from people. Right. I'm used to hearing that that fucking genius or like genius sucks, but I know. Pitchforks. Right. Bogus. But the the key to it is is a a glorified gush session because that's what you you want. You want to be able to ask people, you know, very simple questions that they'll have long answers to because that's the great the great thing you get that passion and you feel that infectious and there's a chance that if you're talking to somebody kind of like you guys have been doing with these is that you you listen to people and being like i really love this movie it's really important for these reasons and you go i haven't watched that movie in a while you know what he's convinced me she's convinced Mm -hmm. me they've convinced me as a group that i should go check this movie out again and that's that's what's great about horror and i think that's what kind of lifts it up to this 
to the special echelon, I guess. And mm-hmm. also, it's we've talked about kind of just the healing properties of films yeah. and the relationships that you ultimately end up forming with a lot of movies. And I'm very thankful that you allowed us to talk about that particular <laughs> film uh, because it actually did show up in this year's tournament. Yes, it did. And that's what's incredible is the fact that you look back, you and you're going back, you know, we only went back 40 years yeah. back into the 70s, but you are extending even beyond that. Oh, yeah, we've got episodes that are going to be going into the uh, 60s and 50s. And if you look in 1968, oh, my God. especially... There are some gems in that year. Witchfinder General? Oh, oh yeah. That movie is cold-blooded. That movie yeah. is cold-blooded. And, and you t- you go back to, I think it's the, in the, the 50s that you have, the original The Fly mm-hmm. and the original The Blob. Mm-hmm. So it's it's an embarrassment of riches. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, you ought to have the uh, guys from the Classic Horrors Club podcast on for those uh, ones from the 50s and 60s. They're a lot of fun. They they know, and, and again, it's a people that truly, and that's why we ultimately, I'm, when we kind of reach out to the podcast, mm. it's again a lot of the ones that I enjoy, but it's also people that are genuine about what they talk about, and that's what I'm kind of... I just gravitate to. So yeah. again, I'm glad to have you here on. Now, where can people find uh, the Horrorversary, excuse me, Horrorversary <laughs> out on the social media? Um, it, it's 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 just like it sounds. Horrorversary on Twitter. That's that's part of why I chose it because I'm like that just sounds good. I'm surprised it, it wasn't. It was still available. Exactly. Yeah. For people, people had done hashtag Horrorversary for a whole bunch of stuff, but no one had snatched it up, and I'm like, that's just. There you go. It's so stupidly clever. <laughs> Sometimes it's fine the, line, the exactly. low hanging fruit, exactly. right? Yeah. I'm so yeah. I'm just glad you're not like Horrorversary '69. So no. I'm very, very glad. <laughs> like like a hotmail web, like a hotmail address. Like, well, you mean you mean like the the horror peers, as you were saying? Yes. The horror peers. The horror peers. Horror peers. Well, let's get into uh, the round of the Scream 16 here for the Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament. And we are looking at films that are celebrating 10 years of horror. And we mentioned it last episode. This is that first true time marker. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 10 years. If they're still talking about you, man, you've got legs. You're relevant. And the four films we're talking tonight, there's a great (laughs) representation of many different genres. Mm -hmm. And we are going to go top to bottom. So our first matchup we have here, uh, we have The Strangers going up against Pontypool. So we have just Give straight... Give me the harder one here. Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> right. Well, I, you know, you know I, I'll no, make I, a case for the Burrs and Mar- yeah. But no, this is one of those films. Um, we obviously, we gushed about both of them last mm-hmm. episode. So Adrian, which one do you want to start talking about first? Uh, the Strangers or Pontypool? Let, let's go with Pontypool. Okay. So this is from Our Neighbors of the North. Yes. Uh, good representation of international horror. Mm-hmm. And just as we mentioned last episode, such a unique, unique take yes. on the zombie lore. What was your first experience with Pontypool? Um, I I saw it when... I'm trying to remember because it, it was one of those that it, it played like several different festivals before it, it came through town. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those you kind of heard the build up for it. And I was like, well, I want to check this out. Got to be cautious of what you're hearing about exactly. the build up. Um, wah, wah. And then uh, the the lead actor, I'll always give him time of day. D- doesn't matter how good or bad the production is, and as good an actor as he is, there's plenty of stuff that Mc- McCaddy hasn't been in that's not exactly great. So I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to be nice here, trying not to be. You that know. we speak from the heart yes. again. That's genuine when that yes. happens. He will, he, uh, McCaddy and is kind of like um, Robert Nepper in a way. Where they're both good actors, but 
too much of the time they end up in stuff that's like bottom barrel theatrical or DTV where, where is this really lets him shine as an actor? Did it start as a stage play? It started as a radio radio. Play. radio okay. Play. Okay. That's what I thought because it's the, the great thing about the movie is the fact that it, it fully hits that art house horror mm-hmm. genre and it, it's great when it unfolds and I love the way that it grows and grows and it takes so long for for things to move inwards and just so much of it is is reaction and just listening to to the world and the world building of it is so great for being in that one location for as much as it is yeah that's what's pretty Mm -hmm. incredible too the fact it's basically a bottled not a bottle episode but just a bottle movie just the one location yeah and fully realized and Mm -hmm. world building and bigger than it is, you know, it's a big movie. It is for a, a small. Movie. Well, that's just it. It's I can see this film rubbing a lot of people the wrong way because when you say zombie film, mm-hmm. for a lot of people, if you don't have a lot of viscera, gore, yeah. and crazy scare, literal zombies on the screen, you're They're gonna out. lose them. Yeah. yeah. So I'm always curious because this is a film that a lot of the people I hang out with, and again, just like-minded folks, I guess, always really dig this film. But I have seen a contingent of people online that just think it's horrible. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of curious then, where do you think this falls in line of just as a zombie film? Well, see, it's... Or would you call it a zombie film? But No, I I'd still would, because right? it's, it's the best way to identify it. And even though it's a different strain of it, I mm-hmm. mean, th- this is a conversation that I've had with many different people. Is what, when we say zombie... We're we're meaning a certain type of thing. It's completely different if we're specifically saying like the undead. Is there's a very big delineation? And uh, somebody that I know that you guys are friends with, Dee Dee Crimmins, has has been in the room when I've had these conversations with people. Is what the difference is? Is that you know, if something is undead, it it you literally have to see it die and then come back to life. Uh, what ty- you have to delineate between which type of zombie it is because zombie technically would be undead. It has to be died and mm-hmm. then physically seen come back to life or then there's virus infected zombies which can be you know like 28 days later type thing or in a way in polypool you kind of consider it that way because it's not the traditional zombie it's it's that, that different infection yeah they don't die and it's it's hard to call this their virus because there's always virus viral quote-unquote zombies mm-hmm. like the 28 days later one but this one it never really explains what kind of vi- what kind of zombie they are, yeah. and the way they get it, it's that's terrifying. Exactly. And that's I think what we again going back to, is, but what separates it from all those even that little t- you know hierarchy you just gave us, Adrian. Yeah. It separates itself from, from those others far and away. Well, by the basic delivery, because of those two words that I used in front of it, and there's lots of, and I think that's what turns lots of people off is you put those two words, art and house, mm-hmm. in front of it. And people, Am I going to have to read subtitles? Well, well, it's it's just that they 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 view it differently. They when you say it's a zombie movie for anybody, they're thinking World War Z nowadays. Exactly. Yeah. You can't see yeah, you, you, you you can't yeah. see it because this is an audio podcast. But Greg visibly winced. But but it's it's the difference between a mainstream audience, right? Horror audience mm-hmm. and people who are a horror horror audience. People could, who love horror will seek out different forms of horror and they're more attuned of seeing an art house horror film because they're willing to take that chance and it's the same with on netflix literally right now i'm mad at the name that they gave it on netflix but there 
is a uh, Quebec zombie movie that's under the title Ravenous. It was called Les Afames mm-hmm. on uh, when it was at a whole bunch of different festivals. And it's a zombie movie, but it's dealt with like a little bit differently with how they're, the zombies are reacting. And when people are, are stabbing and fighting the zombies, they're actually yelling and they're feeling pain. And then they're doing weird stuff that's off on the side. And, and so it's got a slightly more esoteric feel. But then like the people who are surviving, like when the movie's focusing on them, it's focusing on them actually surviving and not being like, oh, my God, we got to get, get away mm-hmm. from this. Oh, no, here's my my archetype and everything. And it's literally, OK, this place isn't safe. We need to go to this next place. We need to have somebody standing guard. And, and, and they've got all these little things. And it's like, yes, this is falling into an art house, but it's giving you a different type of zombie movie calling it an art house zombie doesn't mean that it's a it's a dirty word and i dare say if i called this exploitation, would you view that as a <laughs> right. bad thing well because even nowadays art house can be considered a dirty word and zombie movies can be considered a dirty word as soon as you say zombie movies that turns a lot of people off well if you played this if you wanted to like take a different approach on zombie films in that art house manner you yeah. could play something like this along with like train to busan yeah because mm-hmm. that's another one that i think you would ultimately find in an art house film well and what is it about? Is it the fact that it classes up the it's joint? too bougie? It's, it's too bougie. Nobody well, wants I, bougie ass okay. zombies. Well, the the, the different. It, I mean, it's <laughs> it, it's the whole what makes Pontypool completely different than the other ones is where like Train to Busan, you can still show sure anybody, and and you're not going to really lose lose them. But they're also you're getting those set pieces yes, that you need exactly. in a zombie film. You're getting the gore. Where, whereas this in Pontypool, you're this is more. Oh God, why am I blanking? Uh, on the name, I know this is going to be a back up, but uh, Eric Brosnahan. What was the? There was a movie that that he made that's basically like oh, this. Oh, oh, bro! Without, oh, you, oh, Jesus Christ! Without, yeah, it, it, but it's basically Pontypool without without, without the, zombies. the zombies. And that movie got lots of great reviews when it came out because it was basically him as a shock jock who's getting a call from this guy who's basically terrorizing him, and him, you know, slowly. So it's like a play Misty for me. Very much in that kind tune, of. but but it's it, it's one of those that it, again it's set in that that place, and there's something about something that has kind of a stage feel that's being transplanted into a movie that that that's what turns people off when you play up the theatricality of a situation and you put it in one to two places that that turns people off, which is unfortunate. It is because I think this film has so much to offer yeah. and yeah. transcends just a mere zombie, the zombie film. or the art house. Mm-hmm. I think this is the kind of when people think zombie, they can put it on the background. This is what we said last time. You have to pay attention to this movie for yeah. it to really for it to get you. And once it gets you, it's got you. I, I and, and then it just skyrockets. As yeah, it, goes it just on. keeps going and going and going and going and going. It's such a slow burn, but such worth the payoff. And so so sad in the end. Yeah. yeah, it's a dour, <laughs> but I dug it. I dug it immensely. I dug the ending. Pontypool, 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 Mrs. Something's cat has gone away. Pontypool. And if you don't get enough uh, talk radio in your diet, which is the... Air, okay, that's, that's what we were talking about, yes. Also featured John C. McGinley in that one as well. Oh, that's yeah. a, I need to go and revisit that one. It's uh, it's it's great. His performance in, in that is... Better it, than he was in Under Siege 2, let's just say that. <laughs> So final thoughts on Pontypool before we knock on the door and see if anyone answers for the strangers. Uh, I I mean, I think we summed it up. It's, yep. Pontypool is one of those movies that I, I'll i suggest for people to, to check out because I want them to see something different. That That's how I feel about it. And that's, it I love that you can have horror movies like this that you're like, 
just watch it once mm-hmm. for some for something different. If you're if you're bored of all the regular stuff that's being overdone, give this a try. And Pontypool is one of the actual very very few horror movies that you could probably listen to. Mm-hmm. And be just fine with it. The first thing when we were rewatching it today, we were like, holy shit, this should be a podcast. We could totally recreate this. Pontypod. Pontypod. There we go. <laughs> well, let's go over then from a you know different kind of zombie film to a different kind of slasher home mm-hmm. invasion film with The Strangers. Is, is, is Tamara home? So what was your initial interaction with The Strangers there? I, I, saw, I saw it in the theater. Yeah. Um, because at this time, in, in 2008, was when I was still working with uh, AMC. And I was still um, doing projection partly at that time. So I got a screen, a whole bunch of stuff. And so there would be times That's... that I would watch lots of these late at night because no one else wanted to. And you had to have somebody you gotta run watch, watch the print. And I've had an interesting um, relationship with with the strangers. Because the first time that I saw it, I thought that it was, I was like, okay, this is entertaining, you know. But I mean, that was basically it. And then over the years, I've watched it more and more, and my uh, appreciation for it has has grown. And I think it's because you, you see a whole bunch of either home invasion movies that have come out in its wake or just horror movies that, that are kind of on that same level that were made with the same budget and, and kind of, I don't want to say lowness, but from somebody who was sure. starting out and stuff like that. And that's cause that appreciation to grow and grow and grow because it still stands strong compared to all these other even if they're not imitators but but are trying to do the same similar right. type things right it's a film and i'm i'll be anxious to hear what you say especially have did you see the sequel just to give you i have a little... not yet because it was well it, it came like i was really mad because they didn't have uh like a screening for it and I would have been able to go to the screening because I left on uh, Thursday mm-hmm. to go to South by and it opened on Friday. And so the first night of South yeah. by Southwest when I was out of town was it's the night that it that it came open. Uh, and I remember reading everything um, and just seeing how people were torn. And the strange thing is, is when I read that, I was mad that I was at the festival because I'm like, I want to be able to go see this with this many people torn over it. I'm now more interested than if people just were, were just said, oh, it's great or oh, it's bad. People being torn on it makes me want to see it. Well, and that makes reason, sense. Yeah. And the reason I mentioned it is the fact that when we initially recorded the 2008 episode, it was early on. I hadn't seen it. I have a chance to see it now. And again, this is a film that got a sequel 10, Ten years, years later. later. A fa- it pulled a phantasm. It, it did pull a yeah. phantasm. Mm-hmm. I. Is Tamara there, boy? <laughs> <laughs> but but nobody it was a, wait wait is James Lee Gross in the sequel oh geez yeah he's playing the Dennis Reynolds part <laughs> it's the implication it's the implication now I I actually I did enjoy the film it's very much kind of an alien to an aliens mm-hmm. in terms of the approach they take because okay. the strangers is a film that I've also grown to appreciate more over time mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. going back to the last episode it it's the because of my horrible theater experience <laughs> we now have this podcast basically and I've had a chance to see it more and more over time. And even like I said, the last one, now that I'm living by myself, it's still a frightening scenario. Mm-hmm. Just the idea of being so alone, isolated. And then even just that last shot when they're holding their hand, when they go and hold each other's hands right before they're, that's still, it's gutting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Physically, spiritually, and literally. It's just one of those films. Do you think it's a nihilistic film, The Strangers? Um, See, 
it, it, it's weird talking about the strangers because strangers means a lot of things to a lot of different people. And so it depends on, on, on who you're going to talk to about it. And to me, it's more so the craft that, that goes into it. And the thing that I've appreciated more when watching it, like over time is that it strips away so much that you, you don't have it. And I'm not saying that it's as good as this movie, but I'm saying the best way to kind of think about the strangers for a moment and I'll see what you mm-hmm. guys feel about it, but Halloween. Okay. You take out the Loomis stuff. Okay. You take out anything before the evening and you focus it just on Halloween night between those two houses. That's the feeling that strangers captures it is it, it, it gets rid of the fat you have because you have very little you 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 see them coming back from the wedding you're not and you're not force fed that you have to figure out what the implication right. is exactly you you don't you don't spend the first 20 minutes of the movie with them you know getting ready to go to right. the wedding going to the wedding having a bad time at the wedding and then coming back you don't you don't get that you get a couple minutes and then everything you know something starts. bad happened mm-hmm. exactly and then we just take off from there exactly and yeah. so it, it gets it gets rid of that that excess and it th- that's why it was impressive it doesn't matter how you feel about the actors but they were two at the time known actors mm-hmm. and you didn't ask a lot about them you had two people who were willing to kind of restrain how they would normally be and allow a movie to use their name to to, to to get it out yeah. there, and mm-hmm. but that helps it too because it it allows them to like I said circumvent a whole bunch of stuff that so many other movies try to put too much in, and the fact that the strangers is so lean is something that I've come to really appreciate over time. I, I agree, and the fact that Liv Tyler she shows up in so many different genre fare. Mm-hmm. She has such good just geek cred. I even now Speedman, Underworld, what have you. That's that's debatable. That's a different story. I know there but... there's some fans. Well, you're a fan of the Underworld series, aren't you? I like you? him. I like him. I am. So I give Scott Speedman a pass because he's Scott Speedman. And Spe- six, Spe- degree, six degrees of the, the speed. Uh, of Kate Beckinsale. So hey hey. Speedman was the one who was smart and was like, I think I'm done with the series. You can keep doing this, Kate, if you really want to, but I'm Yeah. I'm I'm done. Use use CGI and a body double to kill me in the next hey. movie. Hey, it works. I would have loved to have my CG body kill my back. <laughs> well, you know, and that's one thing. It's funny. I guess I never really took me out of the film with mm-hmm. them. I just actually thought it was kind of nice. It gave it a little bit more gravitas, yeah, I guess. But it was kind of awesome upon the review. And go, it's Dennis! And so, like, <laughs> that, in retrospect, is still one of the all-time great. Oh, man, it's so great. pure. Just like, <laughs> it's, it's yeah, Tamara it's... home. I'm going to bang that hoo. You know, just... <laughs> uh, but that's a, that's a moment that I... That I that's one of the moments that I love watching the movie with people who haven't seen, seen it before and just sitting there in absolute silence while it occurs because it, it has power every single time. It's and jarring. It's, it's just Jesus. so well well done. Even when you know it's coming, goes to a wedding. you're just you're you're watching it and you're just like, this is really well paced. They're they're not doing any of the other uh horror tropes where people are like, Oh, we got we have to have the the stings letting mm-hmm. you know that it's about to come and it's just it's more so just the 
Well, even that uh, reveal the, yeah. when you get with what's his name, Saghead, Saghead, something yeah, like that, Sackface. That initial, I mean, it's very Carpenter-esque too. Just the way the reveal, the Cundy-esque lighting, yep, out of focus, uh, yes. just in the background, the peripherals. And that's just le- that's legitimately frightening. There's some yeah. really good scares. Oh, there's some it's phenomenal just, it's, scares. It's set up so well. Like you could, it's a well-crafted film. Exactly. It's by somebody who's like, if I only get one movie that, that I'm going to, this is exactly how I want to set it up. So I should not come about two thirty in the morning and knock on your door. I won't answer it. That's for damn sure. It's great. I, I took a page out of your book and I'm applying horror movies to real life. So right. like I said, <laughs> I will never answer that door. So we've had some thoughts here on the strangers in Pawnee Pool. Well, only one movie can go into the round of the hateful eight. So it is time to show our work and let's start arguing which film will go forward. And so we've got two uh, categories here. The first one. As always, we're going to ask which one is closer to your heart. Closer to the heart. And then also we're going to ask which one, if you took away, took one of the films away, would leave the year poor. So we're going to start off with our guest, uh, Adrian. Which one of these films, The Strangers or Pool, closer to your heart? Well, like I said, Strangers has grown on me, so I have to be honest. Th- this one... It's. I feel. I feel bad because it is a Sophie's choice, but I can easily explain it away. So it's one of those I can lie to myself <laughs> in a in a good enough way that I don't feel bad about the decision that I'm making. So that that's something you learn when you become an adult. I was gonna say I, I would never want our podcast to you know keep you from sleeping at night, Todd, because yeah, Emmy right. would kill us, yeah. and we don't need that. We've yeah. we've seen how she treats you out in the frozen tundra, <laughs> out playing the thing game. So no, uh, definitely that's a phenomenal answer. The stranger's genius, closer to your heart. Um. I appreciated Strangers more as I watched it. I remember seeing it in the theater and being like, eh, you know, it was a good movie, mm-hmm. but it was a, I've seen stuff like this kind of before. Second time I watched it, I was like, this is significantly better. This, mm-hmm. the, the things are good. Everything is good. But I've always liked Pontypool. There's something so simplistic. Like you were talking about how everything was stripped away in The Strangers. Mm-hmm. That's more so even in in the uh, for me in Pontypool, the action is stripped away, the violence is stripped away. This is a bare bones radio play, but yet it works so well. I I and, had a, I had a question to ask you, but I feel like I'm going to get in trouble if I do. Okay, what is <laughs> ask it? away? I, I was I was going to say, this. are you are you a man who enjoys oral pleasure? I do love oral <laughs> pleasure. And like I, I, ha- the- I had to pronounce it. I made sure. Right. I made sure. At my, my first time with the strangers, I sat on my hand for a half an hour, Jesus Christ. and nothing happened. <laughs> so I got to go Ponty Pool for me for Close to the Heart. I just if you brought up both both two movies, you want to see the strangers or do you want to see Ponty Pool? I'm gonna say Ponty Pool because Ponty Pool, Ponty Pool, Ponty Pool. There's just something that just resonated with me. I think it's I don't know if it's the dude's voice, just the cold, just the whole light, and plus the fact of the matter. I've never seen shit like that before. <laughs> I've seen home invasions. Mm-hmm. I've seen yeah. home invasions yeah. done better, but I've never seen a zombie movie, a quote unquote zombie movie where it's through voice, mm-hmm. you know? That's so Pontypool. I agree. And uh, this one it's it's for me it is a no-brainer. <coughs> Go back to the lap, last episode. I so Adrian initially I had uh, uh-huh. went and saw The Strangers in a th- crowded theater and I was looking forward to it and man just the theater went bad. People on their phones talking, ruined the movie. I went home and I was like, I'm going to start watching things from home. And then, you know, how many years later, here we are with the podcast. <laughs> that didn't happen with Pawnee Pool, although we could do the Pawnee cast, the, you know. But for Ponty me, Pod. it's still, it's still going to be The Strangers. So now that being said, if you took one of these films away from the year 2008, 
Obviously, the year would be poor without one of them. Mm -hmm. So which one do you think, Adrian, if you took it away from 2008, would leave that year poor? Strangers. Strangers? I, I, it's, it's too easy for me, and it's more so because it was the bigger film, but it was also a refinement on that. And when it comes to... Th there's so many films that you can see in the theaters at any time, and but there's only a handful of horror films a year that get a push to be shown wider. And The Strangers was one of those movies that when it came out, it had a really big push into theaters. Yeah. What you want when you have that opportunity is you want to have a movie that's a refinement of that. Like when it came out last year, everybody was worried about how it was going to be. But it was a refinement on those those elements of the adaptation of, of the scares and everything. And that's how The Strangers is. You, you may have seen movies like it. But at that time, when it came to 2008, you hadn't seen one that, like I said, was stripped down, that was more refined and, and had been like, we know what we're doing with it. Whereas the reason why I can, I, I'm not saying that about Pontypool, is mm -hmm. with both that art house horror feeling and because of the way the movie was made, you can drop Pontypool in basically any year and have it still be one that's going to be important in that year. And so if it's specific to 2008 because of that time frame and the other larger movies that were coming out, I think that Strangers makes that time period better, whereas Pontypool is strong enough on its own that you could drop it five years later and it'll still have a certain impact. So it's a, it's a, different, it's, it's a different way. So by technicality, because of the question that was asked, that, that's why I'm choosing The Strangers. And you showed your work well. That is a very... Well thought. That, all, that kind of stuff you will get at the Horrorversary. <laughs> Genius. Um, I'm going to go Pontypool. The Strangers was a bigger movie. More people have seen it. But if you take The Strangers away, you're still going to have home invasion movies. You're still going to have things like along those lines. But if you take away Pontypool, you're missing out something incredibly unique, incredibly interesting something that you can show that you don't need guts and gore and all this stuff to have an effective horror movie you would take away somebody's like inspiration while well, i'm saying there's inspiration on the on uh, for the strangers because it also it was based on true events mm -hmm. if you take away pontypool it's something is going to be missing in horror as a genre especially because you're always going to have hollywood chumping out those big Hollywood horror movies. Does it always make it good? Not necessarily. Strangers was good. Strangers was great. It was one of those occasions, especially in the early 2000s. Like you said, when horror, when Hollywood was giving money in it, that was a good one to have because it's big. But then again, we've seen where even out of Hollywood, some of the better gems come from the smaller independent ones. And I think if you took away Pontypool, you'd be doing a lot of people a disservice in the fact that you can show people that they can make smaller avant-garde thought-depending movies for a micro-screen budget. So that's why I'm going to say if you take away Pontypool, it's going to be leaving 2008 and a lot poorer. I'm, I'm going to be I'm going to be rude here, but only because I love you so so dearly. Uh huh. Remember that this is a British movie. It's a Canadian movie. So Canadian Pontypool is Canadian. Yep. But but usually lots of those it takes a little bit of time for them to come to come out. So luckily this one did come out in the same year because yeah. lots of times you'll have some of these foreign movies that it takes six months to a year to make it to the states which would mean that a movie like Pontypool could technically come out at any time and still have an impact so can the strangers you could take the strangers and put it a year before or a year after and still have the same so 
You just, you just always go against me when I'm on here. That's I don't I always That's go all. against you. I don't always get against you, but, but I'm going to defend year, my work. You, you, but he, you were the deciding one, and you, I can't remember what it was when I was on here last year, but there was one that I made my point, and then you made your point, and Greg goes, I have to apologize because I was all set, but genius swayed me, and oh, I was he, like, <laughs> no, no. Because it's a smarter argument. No, oh, I see how it is. It's the glasses, you asshole. Get a room, you two. Get a room. Both really good answers. Good showing of your work there. This is a tough one for me because I originally—I'll straight up say—originally I was going to say Pawnee Pool for all the reasons you just mentioned, genius. But the other thing that I'm looking at also is some of the things that we talk about on the podcast on Nerds and Nostalgia as well is the theatrical communal experience that you get in a movie. Um, I had the chance, I mentioned it last episode, that I got to see Reese the strangers in a theater with a good crowd. And, um, yep, this member of the Alamo. Yep. Adrian, were you there? Yeah, I okay. was there for it. Ah, excellent. I was. So you, were, so you, know, the, you know the power oh seen in the theater. I have yet to see Pontypool in a theater. Yeah. I, and, I don't think it would play. It would, and it's that's not the a, thing. I it's don't not a know theater it, movie. That's, yeah, that's a, I don't think it is either. And then I ultimately, I'm looking at, if I'm still in 2008 with kind of we've got these various avenues now where you can explore horror for me i still think you need that theatrical experience mm-hmm. and so based on that if you are going to for my purposes at this point i'm looking at a theatrical experience if you took the strangers away from that versus Pawnee pool i think 2008 is poor and let's face it we you know we all we don't necessarily work within movie theaters but we host a lot of stuff here in the yeah. area so we're all about going out and experiencing what you get in the theater and you know when we host things for the most part we're there to enhance you know mm-hmm. we want people to go out so for me 2008 is really about that time that i think you started more people started staying home you got the internet now coming into play now there's more streaming sites and so i think ultimately you need to see something like this in a theater without that theatrical experience so for me it's going to be the strangers that being you're fucking said, happy adrian you're fucking I'm happy sorry. now I'm you're sorry. fucking happy now i i still love you i don't yeah yeah i'm gonna come, come back next okay. year you say that and then you're gonna like shank me later this week i am snitches get sisters for being punk bitches we definitely have no <laughs> there's no chance of any terms of endearment being uttered right now i was 100 would be happy with either pontypool or the string either that yeah this is one of the rare brackets one. where like either one that goes i'm 100 okay with because the strangers is a great movie yeah. i thoroughly enjoy the strangers i like a little bit more but i mean i'm still happy with the outcome well that's that's why i said that it was one of those that are like i had to convince myself right it, it's okay to choose between these yeah you know? you're not you're not killing a child you're not you're, <laughs> that, that was you're 1978's just, bracket you're, you're, you're just saying that that one can go out to a big university and yeah. the other one has to go to a state college <laughs> One 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 can do a summer abroad, and the other one can go to the community college. And no, like, no, one can one can have the summer abroad, and the other one has to to work down the street. Yeah, I don't want to work at the farm again. Too fucking bad. You should have done your homework. <laughs> well, this is what happens when Pontypool answers the door. The strangers going into the round of the hateful eight, which brings us to our last pairing here in the round of the Scream Sixteen, and we've got. I can't imagine two more tonally different movies (laughs) being paired up, but that's the beauty of 2008 and the diversity we got. Uh, We've got... 
Jesus. I know. It's, well, quite literally, if we get to see him, um, Martyrs going up against the Burrowers. Do, do, do you want to go through the experience of possibly seeing him? Possibly see. I would Wait. be the one doing it, but not the one hey. getting it done. Um, if it was uh, if it was Space Jesus. Oh, oh Franco I don't know why. Or, or, or I, if not that one, then the other space Jesus from God told me to. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were talking. The only space Jesus. My space Jesus Frank is Franco Nero. Nero. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, have you seen God told me to? No. It's, a, it's Larry Cohen. Larry Cohen. Oh, it's a Larry Cohen. It's on Oh, it's a Larry Cohen movie where it's really fucked up. And it's up. Andy Kaufman. Yeah. Is in yeah. It. And, and, okay. then, and then has space okay. Jesus in the boiler okay. room. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking of something newer. I was thinking like, don't kill it. That's and what granted, I was oh, that's another little Mike Mendez shout out there. Yeah. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Uh, shout out to Shutter, even though we're not sponsored by them. But no, nope. we Shutter shout out. But yeah, Shutter. we do. Okay, and, and and we're we're gonna get into it with th- this works with basically all these these movies. I think so. It's a question that I have for you guys because you're talking about the theatrical experience and yes. everything. <laughs> I how how do you think that Shutter is changing that? I love Shutter. It's bringing in so many movies from from film festivals that it's getting exclusive rights to, but they don't necessarily. They don't let it play in the theaters. Exactly. They don't let it play in theater, and why I think it's good more people can see it. I think it's a detriment because Mm -hmm. some of these movies that are shutter exclusive and things need to be seen Mm -hmm. in theater to get those legs. How 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 are they coming out on on like Blu-ray? Is it like I'd be interested? I'd love to send send uh, Sam Zimmerman. A message because I'm really curious is that yeah. when it how long is their exclusivity and is it one of those that they have to wait until X amount of months until they're able to let certain ones of these out on it I know that um, what's it called we are the flesh because it was a big international <laughs> release had a had a, had a special case where it was put out on arrow Arrow? Really? Yeah, Arrow Blu-ray. It came out on Arrow Blu-ray at basically the exact same time that, that ended up on, on Shudder. The movie was gross. But I'm not sure for like for certain other ones that they that they've had, because they've had a lot that's that's on there that I, I'm 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 interested in what that uh, well, availability is because it's one of those that if it ends up being on Blu-ray and people are able to get a DCP after the exclusivity, mm-hmm. then you can show it because it's one of those that that there's plenty of movies that they get the exclusive on Shutter that I'd that I'd love to be like in six months a year whenever I'd love to be able to have a way that we could show it in a theater here. and let's face it they uh, they talked about it recently on the last Shockwaves uh, podcast but how most people are kind of imbibing their films these days especially streaming are through their phone that's ridiculous mm-hmm. that's the worst way to see a movie and I think we're showing our age when we say that ultimately <laughs> no but it is and it's it not totally a bad thing is. no I'm, and I'm, I'm definitely agreeing with you because I think you're missing so much yes. especially the filmmaker's intent <sighs> it needs to be an immersive experience and you don't get that with and so I'd love then for a lot of these hell I would go see the core on the big screen I love that series yeah. and I love what Shutter is doing but I think they have to in this day and age because streaming is un- let's face it that's where things are yeah. yeah as much as we love the theatrical experience and as much as we're trying to get people back to it let's let's face it but I'm glad though I, that at least we have exactly we have a way kind of a, at something but I was I was I was scared I know it sounds like the worst thing to say. I mean, I was it was awesome seeing them, but I was scared at a couple of the midnight showings that I went to at South by when I saw Sam Zimmerman, Sam Zimmerman there because I was like, I don't know if he's here just to see the movie or if he's scouting for Shutter. Because I'm like, if this is a really good theatrical experience, 
I'd almost be a, a little bit sad. And that's nothing against Shudder. Sure. I love Shudder. Right. I was somebody who who got up at 1.30 a.m. last year to watch that damn Cousseau movie. So I'm, I'm You're into a fan. them. So. You're a fan. <laughs> exactly. I like Flying Lotus. <laughs> but but I think that, that really ties into these two movies that we're going to talk about. Because I think that these two movies are ones that... Uh, most people did not see in the theater. Good God, no. no. Because Well, one of them didn't even make a theatrical cut. One of them was straight yeah. to DVD. Exactly. And the other one was only in France, was it? Very infamous if you could. Je les en bon. So which one of these two shall we talk about first? Because I actually, let's talk about the Burrowers first. Because That's what I was going to suggest. I'm cool, I'm cool with that. I'm good with that. Because uh, we mentioned it last time. This is one we were both very much late on. Mm-hmm. What was your initial experience with it? It was, I'm trying to think of off the top of my head. It, it was another festival one that, that I heard about. Because okay. it was at Fantastic Fest and I think like Fantasia and something like that. So I heard about it and I was curious about the concept. And you see everybody making the same, which kind of undermines it. But like... One of the people that that I was friends with told me they were like, "You got to check out this movie whenever it comes out. It's basically like a western meets Tremors, Tremors. shot mm-hmm. by Terrence Malick." And I'm like, "What? <laughs> the Terrence Malick part I've never heard." Added to it. I like that. No, yeah, yeah I a, can see it. It's yeah. and it, it, it's one of those that like you'll you'll see it sometimes for for that different critics will 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 mention that. I know that uh, Brian Collins mentioned it in his review back in the day, and I think. Uh, uh, I don't remember, remember how to pronounce his last name. I'm terrible with the last name, so Gene I apologize Shallot. to everybody. Um, but Nick uh, uh, Nunziata from Chud. Chud, oh, yeah. Because he 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 had a a, a review on it, too. But they both I, mentioned I, the, the Terrence Malick thing, and it was one of those that... That that's what made me go. I'm really curious about that, because that's an interesting... Yeah. And it's it's one of the, the things that I think sets the, the borrowers... Uh, like, it separates it from so many other... DTV horror films, something plus Tremors. The, well, no, no, it's it's the cinematography. Yeah, the cinematography of of Burroughs is it's great. The sweeping shots, so 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 good for the budget and for yes. something that yeah. was that was DTV. You look at it, you see so many digital movies nowadays that you can tell like how fake they are right. or how over processed it is, and you you watch this and and like that's what Wyoming. It's like. It's a, the only time anybody's ever wanted to stare at Wyoming. <laughs> <laughs> well, Phil Parmet made Wyoming look damn good. What else? What else has he done? He has. Let's see here. Oh, he shot. Uh, he's been shooting Tarantino. It looks like. Ooh. Um, he, let's see here. That makes sense. Let's see. He ticking clock. The birds. Hollow. He was the DP for Halloween. Rob Zombies. Okay. He was the DP for Grindhouse. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, the devil. He was the DP for The Devil's Reject. So he's obviously Ooh. a zombie. Uh, heavy guy, Staple. yeah, no, and honestly, let's... but oh, the Devil's Rejects is—I'm uh, yeah. not a, actually I'm not a now huge, that... yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the movie, but that but movie is shot it. really well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's that it seems like an overused shot, but I can picture it so well in my mind—the three of them walking down mm-hmm. the the desert. Mm-hmm. It's road. total western. It's a yeah. total western shot, and that's why it works so well in this western motif of exactly. the Burrowers. Exactly, and, it's beautiful, and then the. Your character actor said he got it. Clancy, Clancy fucking, fucking Brown, Brown and, man. And uh, um, why again? Is it because uh, it ain't Clancy Brown? Math hour, math hour. How do you print? Help me, somebody. Don't worry. To the to the IMDb. But it's, don't it's, worry. It's, uh, <coughs> but he he was on Lost. Lots of people know him as <laughs> he was on Lost, but he's been in it. William uh, 
Castle. No, William Map Map Mapalert Mapother Mapalert. There we go. He's Mapother Mapo Mapo. He's he's one of those one of those quintessential that That guys. Yeah, yeah, he is. Because he's anybody who who saw who watched uh, Lost. He was one of the the village others when they're all living in the um like the commune before they went all khaki on us. No, no, no. He was he was one of the ones who oh, was, was with, he one of the khakis? where where Linus and everybody okay. uh, was in the actual. It has been village. so long since I've watched Lost. <laughs> I did. I've watched. I watched the first two episodes. I didn't watch the third or fourth one. I tried to get back. I'm like, fuck this movie. Fuck this show. Yeah. I, I was a fan, but man, that last that last season kind of kind of tore me. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of being torn, <laughs> the practical effects, the monsters in this film. What are your thoughts? <sighs> it's a it's a push and pull. With this movie, it's one of those that it's a love hate. I love the concept. I love some of the stuff we see, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to think of the the nicest way to put it because it's one of the elements that I feel holds it back. Is for DTV, anytime we say that, lots of people just think of think of like a very small period of time. But people like us, people who have been watching movies for years and years and years, knows that DTV goes back into the. 80s and 90s and one of the staples that you had when it come to those horror movies is they knew that they only had a limited budget when it came to the creatures so when it came to the finale of the movie you had to show the whole thing in all its glory and i don't feel like this movie fully gets that and and i mean it's not it's not not it's not their fault i mean they're spending a lot of money on the cinematography which i'm okay with but it's something that i i felt was like a slight but because ultimately, as a creature feature, you need to make sure your creature, not necessarily is full on center, but it's you, going you, to establish. You, ha- you you have a moment where you can see the entire thing in full and like its majesty, if you want. And even though it's not a DTV film, like an example that I always think of because it's it's considered a smaller movie that we all lots of people like nowadays is Pumpkinhead because mm-hmm. Pumpkinhead was made for a smaller budget and there's so many times where you see parts and elements of it and then towards the end of the movie they've got the giant shot where you can see every single part of its feature and everything you're just like oh my god that thing's fucking awesome mm-hmm. and I, I felt like this kind of Held back a little bit. I, I give Stan Winston all the credit on that one. I mean, <laughs> when he's your director, you're pretty sure you're yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Creatures, no, no, but so I, that's why. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the things that I felt for for this. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't feel like. And I don't. And it's fully. through no fault of JT Petty. No, I no, think, no, no, no. Based on what he had, stretching the dollar, making it look that good. Yeah. To me, that it doesn't. This is what it doesn't necessarily transcend horror. But you could. We mentioned you could throw this like with Bone Tomahawk and have mm-hmm. a really cool little double feature. Yeah, based for Western fans that may not necessarily yeah. be horror fans. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, uh, using the refinement again and everything that that because that's what Bone Tomahawk is. Bone mm-hmm. Tomahawk is one of those that, and it also shows the difference of, um, uh, of again when and when you have that third act and everything, it yeah. just goes and goes completely full <laughs> on, um. But it, it's also the difference with certain actors that you have. As great as the character actors are in The Burrowers, Bone Tomahawk. Well, yeah, I Tom- mean, yeah, but that's Bone Tomahawk. That, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, 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 that's character. Tomahawk. No, I, I, but but it, it, but it's one of those. It, it does. It shows you the difference. Right. What it can make. Exactly. And that's as great as these character actors are. They're character actors that. That we love if you've been watching them over the years, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they all turn in the best performance. Sure. And that's as as beautiful as the movie is. There are parts of it where the acting doesn't match up like Clancy. 
what are we going to say? He's he's still great, but the people who are around him in a whole bunch of scenes don't match where he's going with it, if that makes sense. Oh, no, absolutely, because there are certain actors, I think, that they can even elevate the people around them. Yeah. Almost like a good wrestler can elevate the other wrestler, make them look good. Yeah, maybe sometimes he doesn't necessarily put off that vibe. It's, it's he's the Kurgan. Come on, what is he gonna do? He's gonna just chop their heads off. That, that's what there saying. can I, be only one. Right, <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> if you if you don't match his acting yeah. level, he's gotta <laughs> lop off your head, mom. Uh, final <laughs> thoughts on the Burrs before we go. Uh, we cl- really class up the podcast here and go international. I personally like the monsters. I've been biting my tongue the whole time you've been talking about <laughs> it, and like. I think you did see a good chunk of it. I thought the fact that there was like a whole bunch of them mm-hmm. and the fact that you always, you never saw them. They never jumped down like, yeah, and you saw them. Yeah. I thought the fact that they were practical and they kind of kept to their practicality yeah. and kind of in the shadows. I think that worked for me a little bit more than if they all came out and like, look at us, you know, the fact that you didn't see them and then they were underground. Yeah. I think. Not to say that, but you you were 100% right on a lot of stuff you do in a good creature feature want to see the monster, but I think for this movie in particular, the fact that they were underground and you didn't see enough of them yeah. kind of worked good for me. Now, if it was a monster that was stalking you in the forest like a werewolf yeah. and you don't show the werewolf, fuck you, show the werewolf. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But when it's underground monsters, I think you can give a little bit of like leeway with it, yeah. but that, you know, but I think like I think you do, you had a super valid point where creature features show should show more monsters. Mm-hmm. And if there was one thing about the burrowers that I could go for is I could go more for more monsters. monsters. Yeah. But I like the monsters that we did get. Hey, and good. the fact that they were practical yeah. in 2008 was is pretty good. And stay stay true to what you like, man. Yeah. Don't, yeah. don't don't have to feel bad about it. You can you can also overpower and yell at me. If well, you, that's if you why I waited opinion, till so. you're done. So, um, well, since you mentioned final thoughts on this one, I, I'm curious to see how you feel. how do you feel when movies like this do the little hey we're setting something up for a sequel at at the very end of it. I wonder just how much of that. Well, obviously, if it's a smaller film, it's not necessarily a studio note that says hey we need to make that. I yeah. think ultimately, and I think as a filmmaker, maybe you want that. P- possibility the there potential. Just you don't, want, you don't yeah. want to shut the door on yourself but I mean quite honestly let's look let's face it even if you do shut it with a cert with like 100% closure <laughs> you can come back for more of course of course I mean look <laughs> at how many camera home <laughs> I now would I want to go back there yes I would and would I like to see a bigger budget absolutely will that probably happen probably not no and but th- but this is a chance though and this is this was one of those watches in this bracket that was very refreshing yeah mm-hmm. kind of like with urban legend was in 98 very much so the burr was and this is one i'm just hoping that more people will check it out yeah. because it does deserve an audience it's it's a good solid direct to video movie mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that no. at all no no it's, not at all that you, is not you, a pejorative it, back in the day if you said a direct to video because it was so much direct but yeah. like nowadays if you say direct to video that's not necessarily a bad thing you have like direct to streaming we're talking about the shutter exclusive mm-hmm. shutter shutter um <laughs> netflix nasties like some of the netflix original shit is fantastic yeah. well uh, and even if you go to any of like the major market ones like uh, Voodoo or uh, Google Play or any of the other ones, they actually have like little, if you go under categories, they'll have festival ones, mm-hmm. you know, for, for movies that, that are coming straight from the festivals through there. So you can find them. Maybe you know this, Adrian. <coughs> movies that like was, you remember uh, Mike Mendes' Big Ass Spider? Yeah. Was that a sci-fi original? 
I think it started out as one. What it started out as a sci-fi original, didn't it? I don't. I don't think it did think actually. So. But no? because it was so much like yeah, a sci-fi something original. you would have seen yeah. on sci-fi, and that's even worse because I, there's a um, the Channel Zero on yeah. sci-fi. I think also deserves a lot of praise and a lot I need more. To get into pe- that. This third season is amazing. It's like Phantasm meets the Texas Chainsaw Massacre meets uh, Girl Interrupted. <laughs> Okay. It's it's re- it's a really heavy show, uh, but it's also anytime Rutger Hauer can show up. Oh, Rutger Hauer's in it? No, well maybe maybe read the book. <laughs> Rutger Hauer's also in the beginning of Valerian, so yeah, I know. Well, he, yeah, he was also in like the Tears Argento in the Dracula film. So. He was also in like two episodes of the hey, final hey, let's, season let's, of True he, Blood. He, so. he was John Ryder in The Hitcher. That's all we. Hey, need. and he was that Blind Samurai and Blind Blind Fury. That He's, movie was fucking great. He's my goddamn icon is, on Twitter. Yeah, so, no, yeah, fucking, I love Rutger from, Hauer from fucking um, what's it called uh, Second Sight. Oh God, Rutger Hauer, professional ghoul. No, split second. If they fought. Split Richard second. Lynch. Sorry, that's no, okay. Uh, so let's let's go ahead. Let's get into oh. off of our love of one Rutger Hauer, and let's talk a little bit about a film that is made in Serbia. <laughs> that falls within one of those notorious films. We talk of the reputation of it. We were talking off mic. We talked about the theatrical experience. <laughs> Adrian, you saw it in the theater. You saw this in the ah. theater. I saw it in the theater with one other person, and the other person <laughs> fell asleep. Because there was one point where I was like, I'm curious to see what this person... Oh, oh that person's fucking out. Great. Wonderful. Are I'm sure, here alone. Were, were they asleep, or were they like... just? They, they, just no, oh, they, they like transcended. They, they tra- no, they fell asleep, and then they walked out halfway through. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. There, there's only been... There's only been... There's been very few films where I've been like one of the only people that was in there. There was this one, and then last year, uh, A Ghost Story, mm-hmm. the the David Lowry movie. Mm-hmm. Is that any good? I, I really liked it. It's not um, a horror movie. No. It's, it's not a horror it's movie. It's a sad movie. So, somebody walked out halfway through it, and so I was so I was the only person. I'm like, this is not the movie that I want to walk out of alone because I feel like like when it got over, like I I found like the nearest little bench around the the corner of the theater and just kind of sat there for a few minutes because I'm like, <laughs> martyrs or ghost story, but both basically. Both. <laughs> Leave you, they just leave you that hollow, empty feeling inside. Oh, and for martyrs, it was worse because, like, the most visceral uh, impact I've ever had, like, going to see a movie was irreversible. Oh, Ooh, that's rough. I had just, I was only in Chicago for a couple weeks when it came out, and I went to see it. And I didn't know this until somebody mentioned to me, like, a couple years back. And I'm like, okay, that explains part of my experience. But I guess that the director, Gaspar No. He did a thing with the sound, so it, it like made you nauseous. It, did so it would m- mm-hmm. mess people up, and so like literally there was a uh, a housewarming party that we were having at my apartment <laughs> that I had to get back to, and I got back, and luckily okay. it was like two hours later. But I got I got back to the apartment, and I just sat down, and somebody goes, "Are are you okay?" And I go, "I want mm-hmm. to laugh, cry, vomit, and just Shit go to myself. sleep for the rest of." Yeah, and it wasn't until years later that that I I found out that was the reason. When I walked out of Martyrs, I I checked online to be like, was there something that was done with this one? Because I had the same type of feeling. Like after Martyrs, you're just like coming out of the that that theater with like no one else around, no one else to talk to, and you're just stuck in your own thoughts trying to <laughs> think about the movie. You're just like. Uh, I need an adult. I need an adult. Did I see a different movie? Because like. And we talked about this on the one. It wasn't that bad. I mean, like I've seen worse. It's, I, it's it, for 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 me. The thing about martyrs is, 
is um, the implications there. There all about the implication. But no, but I mean, I want to meet God. It's it, <laughs> it, it, it's one of those that it, it depends on on like how much you buy into the things that are happening, how empathetic you are to the people that are in the Certainly. situation. And it's there's plenty of times that I can distance myself, but it's one of those that for so much of the movie, you have no real explanation mm-hmm. of, of why things are going on, but you don't even have like a lot of development. So you're, you're having to feel the visceral impact of everything. It's not the same as hostile where they're trying to force feed piece of the story that you don't really want and people are trying to escape and then they're trying to add stuff on yeah. every few minutes and they're trying to have humor with things being over the, the top pockets and so it's it, it's it's different with that because you have distractions whereas so much of of martyrs for that long period of time is just focusing on the harrowing experience yeah and so you're doing that and then you have the reveal of what's going on and then it continues so then your mind's starting to to piece together and I'm somebody who when I'm watching lots of these movies my mind is trying to think about the world that these things are are existing in and so you you start to think of how many different how many different times have they have they been doing this yeah how many different times have like how close have they gotten before well, and that's when you get that last little montage where she's showing them all, all and the they get a look in the eyes. Those are the ones yeah. that they maybe maybe transcended. Of course, there's got to be so, so many, many more. more that's just exactly the first cut. I mean, yeah. good lord, the yeah. I get a paper cut, uh. and I'm out for a week. <laughs> I, and I'm not. And I, don't, I don't mean to make light of the film because, no. like, it, it's a very heady film, right? Yeah. And then when you get into the 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 cause of everything, why they're doing what they're doing, it's fucked up. It's yeah. so bizarre, but it just reeks of just this this wealth mm-hmm. and leisure mm-hmm. and just rich people. Fucking yeah. with the poor, yeah, just, the just disposable, making yes. him an object as opposed yep. to a human being, and, and then the the execution of just the film quality of everything, mm-hmm. yeah, it is top notch. The lighting, the special effects, the makeup, because this is one of those movies <laughs> that that if you, I know it's kind of a bad thing to bring up, but um, imagine the Jack Ketchum version of this. That you mean, yeah. Dead Girl? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or no, or or the 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 what's it called? The woman, right? Yeah, you right. know. And it, it it's one of those that th- those the if this movie had like less of a budget and didn't oh, have good lord and didn't it, and didn't have like as consummate filmmakers that that cared so much about their craft, it would be a completely different movie. Yeah, it you would have be this, schlock. It would be exactly. it, would, it would totally be schlock. And, and but it's because of of the execution and and how much they get right yeah that that is what sets this movie apart because we we you mentioned it for a second a serbian film as as notorious and everything about that movie is if that movie had a smaller budget and was made by people who weren't so consummate to their craft it it would have just like a snuff well Well, it it would be it would be more of a a straight comedy even if it was unintentional because if you if you have if you have lesser special effects yeah in that movie, you're going to be laughing at at, yeah. at a lot of it. And Absolutely, he, the story can be exactly the same. Yeah. It, it can carry the weight and and you know so all all the allegorical slants that it has, and they're not going to land the same because the special effects aren't as good because of how well they do it in that movie, just like this. And for so much of of, of these French extreme films, the, mm-hmm, is what mm-hmm. sets them aside. Inside, oh yeah, th- that that's one of the reasons for that. Frontiers, high tension. Have you guys seen Frontiers? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. 
No, that's well, that's. You're one hundred percent correct because if they if they would have done what they did in Martyrs and they used the either the Romero or the Argento really pink neon blood, it would look so ridiculous, almost comical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the fact that they did have great special effects, you know, I'm fucking funny about Martyrs. So that's yeah. the other thing that we talk about our love of the gore and special <laughs> effect of the yeah. '80s, but then contrasted with the stuff we see more modern. And I think ultimately is because this feels more real. Yes. This feels a little bit more not mean spirited. It's not it's not it's, a supernatural no, no. slasher yeah. doing it. It's some In rich real, person doing yeah. it for their own gains as opposed to you stumbled upon Jason's yeah. campground or you yeah. found somebody's the leprechaun's gold or something. Well no, you you actually hit the nail like perfectly perfectly on on the head for an interesting transition for for how movies were made then to like how they're they're made now as you mentioned Argento Mm -hmm. and you think of somebody like even for something like opera which has that like writer crimson blood but it's because of like the psychological aspects that that he's delving into makes you be able to get away with that gore whereas in in this movie because the the gore and the makeup is more real Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily need all those psychological implications because you're already buying into it. Right. So it's almost like they had to do more work in the old days to be able to, to get you to, to more overlook story. that stuff. Yeah, exactly. To, to cut to over to a bandaid or overcome the shortcomings in the special effects. Yeah. And the gore. Yeah, what do sense. you think was said to Mademoiselle at the end? I don't think it really matters. It doesn't matter. Does I, I know. Okay. I, Ooh, that's even more nihilistic than it. Just, <laughs> what does it matter? Keep doubting. Yeah. Well, no, 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 well, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm just saying what, whatever said to her doesn't, doesn't really matter. It's one of those things. It's like the lost in translation. Exactly. Lost in translation. What's, what's in, um, uh, the, the briefcase. Yeah. Oh, there we go. So it's, yeah. it, it, it's one of those, you don't necessarily need to know. Cause it could, it yeah. could be, it could be anything. Yeah. Well, it's, you can even be a big it, muffin. It's it's how that moment what what that moment means to you, yeah. And, and you think about the group that they're in, and you think about the money and everything like that. If she's told something necessarily positive, do you think that she's going to let everyone know? It because just oh, if, yeah. if if it turns out that, that that something else is going on once they they leave that room after she you know. After they have the last scene and everything, if if she's given some grand epiphany, knowing how this wealth and the society and everything is, does she share it with everyone else or does she keep that to herself and continue on with on this whole thing to is. get to get more money and more people to buy into it to, to keep that? Because in, in a way to them, the whole experience of trying to get to that point is their entire lifeblood sure. and everything, and that's what they're living off of. If she if she gets a finite answer to something, the fun's over. She might not share it with anyone because then herself is she'd be shattered. Yeah, in a way, so she has to. She would have to keep going with the facade. So I think, regardless of what's said, there's a chance that she just doesn't. You know, it, it's one of those that nope. Internalizing that, it's tough. It's she tough. really internalized it to the point where like it yeah, yeah. popped out the back of the head. Yep. <laughs> so we've got two. Totally different films going up against each other here. <laughs> We've shared our thoughts on both. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to show our work. So which one of these two films, Martyrs or The Burrers, Adrian, are closer to your heart? I'm, I'm, 
it feels so bad say, saying it when you put it like that, which one's closer to your heart? Well, you've you beat me into submission, so I guess I have to say. Um, but no, it's 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 martyrs because of having that theatrical experience, and it's anytime you see anytime you see the Burrowers, mm-hmm. you're you're just seeing a film. Martyrs is one of those with a whole bunch of movies that you're basically you're going through an experience. Yeah. You don't necessarily have to buy in and agree with everything, but it, it's more of an experience of, than just seeing a movie. You're seeing a film with a capital F. Exactly. With this one. It, it's one of those that you want to see in the theater with, yeah. with those people because you want to have that communal experience Ooh. because you want to talk to someone. Ooh. Afterwards, and that's not, a- <laughs> not necessarily. There is some communal experiences I've had in the theater that I don't want to talk to any fucking person about. It. <laughs> but but it's it's. I be, mean, be- you know, we are the flesh. <laughs> a couple of other things along those lines. <sighs> I don't, I'm not sure if I want to say. Hey, guess what I saw? I guess. I, no, but honestly, <laughs> the nostalgia feels on that one. I definitely understand. Oh yeah, that. it works oh, yeah. perfectly. So genius, martyrs <laughs> or the burrs? Which one closer to the heart? I'm gonna go burrs because. I will take a fun <laughs> horror movie over just a gore fest for. I mean, not that I'm saying that this was gore for no reason. Yeah. I mean, because there was style, there was mm-hmm. substance, but like, I have to be in a mood for martyrs. Yeah. I can put on a creature feature movie and do whatever else in the background I want or keep listening to it or watch it or not watch it. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to watch martyrs, I'm going to watch martyrs, but I'm going to have to go burrs because it's just a fun movie totally Wait, makes sense the, the movie that you can walk away from yeah <laughs> well I, like i said i can walk away from martyrs i wasn't like that crushed my soul i mean because like there's not a lot there anyway in the first no. place but at the same time i don't know if i become desensitized That's or i i don't want to say i've seen worse you know but like i kind of have <laughs> um but i thoroughly enjoyed it i mean i think martyrs is one of the best examples that you can have quote-unquote torture gore porn uh-huh. but it'd be more than just torture gore porn again another film that kind of transcends yeah i'm gonna actually say because of the reputation the film had built uh and i'd never really heard of the burrs but i knew martyrs i didn't need to see the film and i knew martyrs and mm-hmm. when i saw yeah. it it was one of those experiences that matched the reputation like yep. you said genius for you it was like eh. mm-hmm. but when i saw it when i exp- and it was an experience it's very i mean it's it, it changes you it, it can't help and because of that i'm gonna have to go with the martyrs now this is where we ask if you took one of these films away mm-hmm. martyrs or the burrs which one would leave 2008 poorer adrian let's start it off with you it's martyrs again it, j- just because it's it, that whole wave you were getting of the French mm-hmm. extremes Extreme. for several Ooh. of those years. You, each of those movies is indelible to that time and place, and each one's getting bigger and better and meaner. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. But but you 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 need them all. It doesn't necessarily matter how you feel about them, but they're they're important because it's important to anytime you have any type of of wave or or fad or mm-hmm. movement in, in film charting that progression is important and that's how it is i mean you go back in the day for like the french new wave mm-hmm. and you see where it starts new and you wave. see as the as the the films go on and how they grow and how people are are changing it and the stories that they're telling and the way they're using that language of film based off of what other people are doing and it's the same with that french extreme way where you look at at things going from you know the high tension to 
to inside to frontiers and to martyrs and you see how each one's trying to outdo it in different ways and how they're all evolving and they're growing and so martyrs kind of becomes like that that pinnacle of that where they're doing something that's different with it because you put you put um you know inside right next to martyrs and they're both extremely haunting tales, mm-hmm. but they're completely different movies. You know, they don't have a lot that's similar except for the the way that they're they're doling out yeah. the the story. But you can see the differences between them and how one's influencing the other. And and that's what's important. And I do think that that's why to me, Martyrs is important in that way. I, I would never discredit um Burrowers, mm-hmm. because I do think that it is a very solid uh, direct-to-video film for that time, and I think it's important that you had a movie like that. But unfortunately, it, it all it does is kind of stay in that, and it's like, oh, here's a good direct-to-video example, and then moves on from there. That doesn't mean that there's anything bad about it, because it's a fun film. There is a place for disposable entertainment, and God love it. For And to me, this is one of those films that is something like you said, Genius, you can throw in the back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I tried cataloging the wave that you're saying for that comedic uh, Australian movies for that brief period, two period of time in 1987 when we had uh, Yahoo Serious and Young <laughs> Einstein and that whole Crocodile Dundee thing. But then after that whole then, then I was like, there's no more fads. Oh, how wrong you were. <laughs> right, there's no more the Australian thing. Oh, no well, more Yahoo series. It took, it, took, it took a while. Greg for... McLean would uh, have words with you there, That's man. That's true. But That's in the a... 80s, in the 80s, like yeah. everybody was like fucking Australian crazy for like yeah. two years. And then... Well, the good time, mate. They, they had to take some time off because Yahoo series did have a couple in the nineties. Well, weren't weren't necessarily great. <laughs> I'll go to Bang the Young Einstein. That movie cracked my shit up. There, I haven't wrong seen with it. That. I haven't seen it maybe about a good twenty yeah. years. But that movie was crazy as shit. Uh, the, the gods must be crazy too. Oh, <laughs> I like the gods must be crazy movies. I like the them. first. I, I like, like the, the first, first one. The, the second one's one of those where you're like, uh, clearly. Clearly, you just wanted what little bit of money you could get, and Part you two made sold me laugh. your sold your dignity. Part two made me crack up. Of course, I was like seven when I saw it. Exactly, but, because know. number two was one of those that played more often on Comedy Central than yeah. the first movie. The first one was great. The yeah. first one was hilarious. But that's but that that's how you could tell because like yeah, in, in the bottles. in the late nineties, there there were certain sequels that Comedy Central was like, well, we can't get the rights to the first movie, so, so just gonna Lust, Lust in the Dust was great too. I'll watch anything with. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back at the bracket. Yeah. Okay, Genius, so. Martyrs of the Burrs. Which one leaves 2008 poor if you take it away? <laughs> if you take away the Burrs, you're taking away, unfortunately, a very fantastic direct-to-DVD movie. But you're still taking away a DVD movie. There's hundreds of them. If you take away Martyrs, however, that's ushering in the new French wave extreme. That's like... The dare you're taking away either a movie that you saw on DVD one mm-hmm. time on on Comedy Central or or Sci-Fi, or you're taking away a dare film where you have to like you need to see this movie if you want to get fucked up. <laughs> so like yeah, we, we will we will still be talking about how gory and how this ushered in craziness for years mm-hmm. to come. We might not be talking about the burrs yeah. in ten years. Yeah. So. That, that makes sense. I can't argue against any <laughs> of those showing your work there. Uh, I think it's ultimately it's a great chance to see international horror. I think the more horror films we get from other countries, other mm-hmm. perspectives, other filters, it just makes us richer 
as horror fans to see how crazy everyone else is across the world. Because those French are crazy as shit. They love a bon. Indeed. (laughs) Have you guys seen the, the remake? I see. Yeah, I haven't seen the remake. I, I hear you want to talk about. I heard it was very much neutered. That they oh, really so eliminate the entire yeah. philosophy behind it. For the well, most they, part, they they spend more time with those people, but they it is it. It's just boring. Is it? It's just boring because you you lose Freaking part Americans. of that. And there's. I know it sounds terrible to say, but it's <laughs> you but, need some of the. But it it doesn't have as much or as extreme of of the torture, and yeah. that's part of what the movies you know built onto see that's something i would say that is it and then it sees more torture are you, are you throwing your more voice gore, right? i can't tell that's, i want to see more no, people getting for, tortured for, for for something like this like I, I, imagine if uh if they made a oh wait they did make a remake of inside i haven't seen it but imagine uh, if imagine if, <laughs> <laughs> um imagine if they took out the scissor gag mm-hmm or scissor scene. Scissor scene, yeah. You, you you get you get rid of that from the movie. Uh, I well, and I think ultimately when you look at like all the remakes that ended up coming from a lot of the international horror, when yeah. you had like the you know the the the, the J horror mm-hmm. influx that hit, uh, obviously with this. Um, hell, we're even seeing now um, with um, you know Spanish friend of, horror. Yeah, from yeah. the podcast Tex Mex horror with Gigi Gonzalez Guerrero Luchagor. Mm-hmm. But again, it's just that distinctive flavor you get. And I think ultimately, without that, as you mentioned, it ushered you guys. It ushered an entire movement yeah. that we are still talking about to this day. That we will definitely continue on talking. So you cannot help but vote for the martyrs. So you got look in the eyes. <laughs> we, they were oh. still alive oh. when the martyrs went through into the round of the hateful eight. So in the round of the hateful eight, we have the strangers going up against martyrs. And we couldn't have done it without the help of Adrian Torres from oh, Horrorversary. Thank you, man, so much for taking the time for Absolutely. doing what you do. I, I can't wait to listen to that episode. Well, and be... when we come back, we are going to be joined by uh, Heather Wixon from the Corpse Club podcast. And I think this is going to really generate some interesting conversation. She, she can yell at me otherwise. So I, I apologize, Heather, if, if you don't like either one of these movies. Uh, we will see. We will see. I think <laughs> we're going to have some good stuff here. So which of these two will be representing uh, 2008 and the Frightful Four? We're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we will actually answer that very question. And we are back, and as we transcend our way from the round of the Scream 16 into the round of the Hateful Eight, let's go ahead and say, take the time to say, thank you, Adrian Torres. Yes, thank you, Adrian Torres, even though me and you grumble, grumble, at the same time, much love, dude, much love. A lot of good discussion there. Uh, Adrian Torres from the Horrorversary Podcast, and as we say goodbye to Adrian, we also say goodbye to two films from 2008. And I know this one was tough for this you, This was genius. hard. I don't want to say goodbye to Pawnee Pool. But we do have to say uh, goodbye. How would they say it in Canada? Au revoir. There you go. And hey. we're also saying goodbye to the Brewers. Uh, they both put up a good fight. But mm-hmm. ultimately, they fell to two, I'm not going to say superior films, but ultimately two. Meaner films. Yeah. <laughs> and as we see, yeah, as we see in this round, we definitely have some meanness here. So as we go into the round of The Hateful Eight, uh, we do go outside of the Phantom Podcast Network. Phantom. And we bring in some of our favorite podcast and podcast personalities 
And our next guest, you guys, she is a Rondo-nominated author. You have heard her wax philosophical on this very podcast on the greatness of practical effects. Mm-hmm. Welcome back from the Corpse Club podcast, Heather Wixon. Heather, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, although I don't know all about all that philosophical business. But uh, oh, come on! Now. I do wish I do wish I had a drink right now. I'll be honest; it's going to be a rough one. <laughs> <laughs> we we should say we uh, we realized we didn't know if we ought, we should offer you an apology or a thank you on one of these films because, <laughs> as you all will hear, Heather was introduced to this particular one. But before we get into all that good stuff, where can our listeners find you out on the social media? Um, I basically just hang out over on Twitter because Facebook is just for old crazy people, I think, these days. Um, so you can find me over at The Horror Chick uh, and all of my writings over at DailyDead.com. Nice. Excellent. And again, congratulations on the Rondo nomination. Yes. Um, when that hit Twitter, how do, how, what was your initial reaction like? Well, I didn't even, I didn't even know until uh, it was actually Patrick Bromley who texted me when I was out walking my dog, and I didn't even like feel my phone go off. And then I got home, like we get in the house, I undo the dog leash or whatever, and I pull my phone out of my pocket, and I just see the first text, and he's like, "Holy shit!" Like, you know, congratulations to my Rondo nominated BFF, and I literally dropped my phone and started sobbing, and so my my boyfriend looks at me and he was like. Oh my God! What happened? And he's like, like, who died? What, <laughs> yeah. What the hell's going on? And I was like, I got a favorite And I was like, it was so I turned into like a total bucket of mush. Um. So and then I went over to Twitter and I was like, oh holy shit, it's real. I thought maybe Patrick was just lying and you know because you could write in anything, right? So right. technically, deep down, we are all Rondo nominated people. <laughs> um. If you think about it, because you can write in for a lot of the categories. So I was just like, what? Like, I thought, and then I was like, well, maybe it's for Daily Dead, because we, I was, we were very fortunate over Daily Dead that we were nominated as well. Um, so that's what I initially, I was like, oh, okay, well, then we got nominated for the site. And then I was like, oh, no, holy shit, this is for the book. And I was <laughs> like, this is insane and impossible. Uh, and I probably read the website like 15 times just to make sure that I was actually reading it right, because I was like, no, that's not it. <laughs> and I was like, this is, this is wrong. So, it's it's crazy like i i know voting is up soon um i don't know i mean it's my first book ever and there's some amazing writing talent in that in the category that i'm i'm in but man like i'm just i'm absolutely floored that it even happened and for me it just it's raised the profile a little bit for the book so it gets those stories out and that's all i really wanted for these folks because they've all worked so hard um and they've all done so much for this genre that we love that you know for them to be celebrated is freaking awesome so anything is just gravy at this point <laughs> and we are of course talking about monster squad celebrating the artist behind cinema's most memorable creatures by one heather wixon who we are very fortunate to have here so no this is awesome just to see mm-hmm. kind of just the cavalcade of events and how they've all led up to that so again sincere congrats and i yes. i appreciate the self-deprecation but you know this is truly something that is earned and you should just bask in the glow of the awesomeness enjoy well, if you think about it, I mean, it's probably because I did your guys' show. I think that was what, the, what opened the floodgates, and they were like, "Oh, we should take this book seriously." Now. No, you would should have you would have been nominated a lot earlier if it wasn't for this show. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, "Oh, well, she's slumming it now, guys." So. <laughs> 
That's horrible genius. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, no, uh, but also uh, want to recently talk about a little bit about the Corpse Club itself, because one of the things that we do here for the Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament is all about promotion of other podcasts, mm-hmm. especially the ones that I think deserve a, just a, a bigger audience. Not to say that the Corpse Club doesn't get great numbers, but I think more people should know about it. It's on my Friday rotation. I know we talked a little bit about it on the last time, but um, you know, what's the current state of the Corpse Club right now, Heather? Oh, uh, just having fun. Um, you know, it's it, for me, one of the things I wanted to do because my time is stretched so thin sort of on the writing side of things is back in February because it was Women in, in Horror Month. Um, I wanted to do, you know, something special for the month, but just being able to do the writing part of it wasn't really there for me. I just, I can't, I need a, I need a clone is essentially what, <laughs> what I'm saying. So if anybody has that technology, um, find me on Twitter. Um, so we ended up doing something really fun, I think for February and got to kind of mix up the format a little bit and sort of did some deeper dives into some female centric topics and films and stuff like that, which was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, and so I've been kind of, um, also doing some more interviews. Um, I just figured, well, if I chat with people all the time, might as well, you know, put it out there and let people, you know, judge me (laughs) for, (laughs) for all my, for all my incessant ramblings and stuff. Um, but it's good. Like we're, it's, it's fun because we have, you know, there's five of us, so we can kind of mix it up a little bit here and there. Um, you know, but I love our general discussions. I love the fact that, you know, Patrick and I get to chat once a month about something fun. Um, I do think we just did an episode for like our, cause we both have March birthdays. So we did like our, we programmed our own birthday mo- movie marathons and I thought that was Ooh. a really fun episode. Yeah. Um, so I was, uh, and in fact, one of the movies we're talking about tonight actually was on my marathon. So uh, that was actually a really good episode. I liked that one a lot. Uh, we, we actually do a thing where in October we host a little horror marathon here in the Kansas City area, but mm-hmm. then we started kind of programming our own little 24-hour hypothetical yeah. movie marathon, and that kind of stuff is so much fun. Yeah, it is. And you you guys kind of got into the meat of it, too, is just like when you're programming that, you have to think about people's moods. Mm-hmm. What time does this movie go on? How is it going to affect people? So I love it. And that's what I really like about your guys' podcast is all just the, dare I say, the intimate details that go into it. <laughs> and also, it's, it's the chemistry of all of you all. The devil's in the details. Yes. Well, and also I would, I would have to say in terms of marathons, like that's all Patrick. Um, <laughs> he's like a maniac when it comes to these things. Um, and I think I've like, sort of learned from him in terms of, you know, I mean, the, when you go to film festivals and you can kind of get the gist of what works late at night and what doesn't, but he's so good at it. And I just love the fact that like, I was just kind of winging it at certain points and he's like, Oh, I've got it all timed down to the minute <laughs> like, he knows when he's going to the bathroom, when the pizza's delivering, like, you know, when it's time to scramble some eggs. And I was like, I don't know, maybe we throw, you know, this is our 22, I guess. Right. <laughs> sort of. So, you know, hats off to him. Cause he, uh, he's really, really excellent at these things. So it's always fun to see what he comes up with. Well, it's nice to hear you guys play off of each other, especially, you know, when you guys find out about, you know, the, the, the friendship and how yeah. that's, you know, how it started, how then you guys came back again, which was great. Um, and like I said, I also like the fact that you guys do a lot of like switching on the co-hosts as well. Uh, that just kind of gives up, you know, everyone a chance to shine, if you will. I like that. Uh, so that being said, you guys, make sure you are checking out the Corpse Club podcast. Put it on your Friday rotation like mine. And if you're feeling saucy, you can be a Patreon as well. And I myself am a Patreon. And thank you for the commentaries, by the way. Those are probably the biggest reason why I, you know, besides contributing to you guys of just being awesome. But I love the commentaries you guys do. 
Oh, thank you. I just got to break out the Roner Boner for April Fool's Day, so that was like... Yes. I'm, I'm riding high on that. I don't think I'm ever going to top a Roner Boner, but we'll see. We've got a really saucy show coming uh, up soon, so we'll see how that goes. And anyone that can break out Roner Boner when talking of one Clayton... I, that's just someone that belongs, you know, that's just... you. you we love you, Heather. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's all we can say there. So Google gobble. <laughs> So here in the round of the Hateful Eight in the Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament, we are down to two films from 2008. Mm-hmm. And what a, yeah, what a bracket <laughs> well, this has been. But 2008 was definitely one that's, uh, yeah, a lot different from last year's 2008, that's for sure. Well, and there's a reason we probably left a lot of these films to the very end, because everything in 78, 88, 98, for the most part, I can watch at the drop of a hat. Yeah. But a lot of the films in this bracket are challenging, and that Lee and they, you know, the road has led to two films that are going to, you know, <laughs> battle for their uh, supremacy in the frightful four. Mm-hmm. We are talking about the Strangers and Martyrs. Is Tamara home? <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to leave it, Heather. Which one of these two films shall we talk about first? Ooh, um, let's just go ahead and dive into the Strangers. I feel like why not? Let's let's start with the the quote unquote easy one. The easy yeah, the one, easy. Yeah. <laughs> when the strangers is the easy one, then like yeah, <laughs> you know you, you've got some hard you times got, ahead of you. Exactly, the road is not paved with good intentions. That's for sure. <laughs> we will be funding everyone's you know <laughs> therapy session after this episode. Um, so actually, you know, we both saw this one in the theater. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of developed. You know, it's one of those films that you know just got the special Blu-ray edition release. Mm-hmm. It's got a sequel. sequel ten years later. Heather, how did you? initially get involved with the strangers uh i saw the strangers in theaters um and i weirdly enough it was two nights before i told my ex-husband that i didn't want to be married anymore um which was really odd timing sorry uh not that he would even be listening but still (laughs) um (laughs) it was it was weird it was a weird dynamic because for me like the Strangers is a super, super brutal movie. You know, there's no, there's no doubt about it. Obviously, Martyrs takes that to, like, the nth degree. Um, but for me, The Strangers is a really sad horror movie um, because it's two people who, who love each other. They do. Um, and you, you can tell, by the way, you know, Scott Speedman still, you know, interacts with, with Liv Tyler's character. Like, there's still love between them. But for some reason, they just – she's not ready to go to that next step. Um, and it's just, for me, what's always was really refreshing and, you know, something that I kind of tend to do in my own life if, when there's conflict, I don't get nasty. Like I just get kind of quiet. Um, and for me, it was just nice to see a horror movie where you had two characters at odds and it wasn't turning into like this whole, you know, well, you're a bitch mm-hmm. and you're this, mm-hmm. you know, you're a piece of crap and or anything like that. Like they were still in this situation together and they never once turn on each other. Um, and in fact, you know, towards the end when, you know, the scene where they're tied up at the end, like, you know, you kind of, that moment kind of really breaks your heart. Um, you know, and I'm an easy mark for Scott Speedman because, you know, I watched Felicity and I'm a, I'm a big Underworld fan. So, you know, um, but for me, like, I think it's, it's one of the best horror movies of the year uh, of 2008. And it's probably one of my favorites of the last 10 years. Um, because I do, I rewatch it every October at the very least. Um, and I think it's so beautifully effective for being such a simple, it's, it's a very simple film. It's a simple mm-hmm. premise, simple setup, very simple sound design. You know, it's, it's a, it's a nuts and bolts type of horror movie, but that's what makes it work so well. 
Yeah. And another thing you said, it's sad. And it is because they're in their home and they did nothing wrong. It's like against all the horror tropes that we're used to, you know, sex before a premarital sex, drugs, all this kind of stuff. And next thing you know, this terror home. I mean, this couple that loves each other and it's scary because it can fucking happen anytime now. You know, that's what's scary about it. Yeah, when you when you bring horror into your home and you have that like possible threat out there, I think for me that's what's scary. Like I don't really, you know, supernatural stuff doesn't really freak mm-hmm. me out. You know, big giant monsters doesn't really freak me out, but like just the simple, you know, because you were home for yeah. me is one of the most terrifying things. Like and it's such a great thing because Bertino, I think, was really taking a page from somebody like John Carpenter, where in the original Halloween, like you get the very basics of who Michael Myers is and what's driving him, mm-hmm. but we don't get the over explanation, yeah. you know, and it's a very simple reason because you were home. And I don't think that there are four words that we've heard collectively in the horror genre in 10 years that have been as effective as because you were home. Yeah, that is terrifying. Like, why are you doing this? Because you're home. Why fucking not? It's terrifying to know that that shit there's actually people who will do that kind of stuff again you know? that is why i will not answer the door <coughs> is to Tamara. anyone i don't care i, I, I can you see me, you out there genius and i'll be like no no just come back later come back like, later dude let me in seriously please <laughs> let me in no fuck you dude I'm like oh dude <laughs> well you mentioned heather a little bit about the sadness of the film and that's the one thing throughout this year is just kind of the dourness of a lot of the films and that we're getting here yeah. in the late uh, in, the, in the in the aughts that scene where they're holding hands when they just they clasp hands because they realize what's about to happen i re- uh, that still gets me to this day yeah. and so i'm curious you mentioned that this was kind of the the precursor to a big moment for you do you still carry kind of a dare i say a relationship with this particular film because of that no i mean i think for me i've i've been able to sort of you know i think it sort of represented that part of my life for a while Mm -hmm. um and now it's just sort of you know as as you mentioned transcend and i'm sure we'll talk about transcending (laughs) right in a little bit um but for me it's become something completely different like it's just a beautiful exercise in pure horror um and what you can do like i you know it's you mentioned like how rough 2008 was for horror and i think it was very reflective of our world because that's right around when the housing crash was happening Mm -hmm. there's a lot of uncertainty as we were going into a new presidency um it wasn't a great time like i you know i i watched two houses go into foreclosure like Mm -hmm. you know it's it's it was a pretty, you know, when you're spending almost $5 a gallon on gas, yeah. like people were not happy. It was a really tough, you know, I think 2007 through 2010 was a really rough time for a lot of folks. Um, and it's very interesting that you always kind of see, you know, whether any other genre, you know, of cinema doesn't really do that near, nearly as much as horror does, where it becomes like a, almost like a complete reflection of where we yeah. are as, as a society. Yeah, it's always interesting to see how horror puts a mirror up to everybody and just say, look, see what you're doing? This shit is crazy. Stop it, you know? And it gives us, you know, as you mentioned, uh, Heather, you talk about how, um, uh, was it Bertino, Brian Bertino, how he um, kind of apes a little bit of Carpenter, but also it's a very minimalistic film. Uh-huh. You've got- A bottle movie. It is, it is. And I think a lot of that can, you know, make or break how you present it, but I think it's presented so well. And like mm-hmm. you said, this is something that, it kind of transcends what, well, I don't, I don't want to say transcends, but, you know, the whole, even the whole, the home genre, the home invasion, home invasion genre. genre. I'm not the biggest fan of it, but where, where would you put this on there, Heather? Would this kind of rank in your top? Or I would even say, are you a fan of the whole home invasion genre? Um, I am, I mean, 
<laughs> it's a it's a tough one to watch because especially this you know even in 2008 is I think when we got the Funny Games remake, mm-hmm. um, and I actually saw that before I saw the original yeah. Funny Games, and that for me was a really uncomfortable viewing experience. Both yeah. versions, <laughs> um, I don't think either one of them you know <laughs> ends up being a crowd pleaser, if you will. <laughs> um, but you know, it, for me, home invasion movies are really fucking scary because it is just the simplicity of that that somebody wants to get in your home and they're gonna um you know there's no you know incantations you can do there's no (laughs) summoning any sort of forces you know zelda rubenstein isn't going to show up at my front door you know i'm not gonna wake up and freddie's gonna go away like this some this is it's that's like a reality and i think for me sort of that real the real horror is what always gets me um and i think for me that's what's like if I were to get scared by, by horror, it would be that, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I love the conjuring too. didn't scare me, but I loved it. Um, but if I'm watching the strangers and I'm home by myself at night, oh. and the lights are out. Like I am doing some double checking around, yeah. you know, just to make sure. And see, that's always hard because like you've mentioned it, I live my life according to horror movie things. And that's that home invasion style of horror. There's no rules. There's no anything like that. And so it's like, holy shit, I'm not safe anywhere. And that's what makes things like this extremely terrifying. Yeah, you can avoid grates downtown. Mm-hmm. You can avoid water, open bodies of water. But I got to go home you, some point in time. I'm not a vagabond. You know, here I go again on my own. You know, it's not even like that. So I'm fucked. But when Tamara comes a knocking, yeah. Yeah, I mean, home is where you're supposed to be safe, Safe, you know, and when you're not, then what do you do? There's nowhere. Yeah, it's horrible, horrible. Well, I'm curious to find out then. Well, I can't say curious because I read your review, but (laughs) um, The Strangers 2, the fact that it's been so divisive with a lot of people, you know, I don't see a lot of people in the middle. I actually really enjoyed it. But what was your take on the, the sequel to this one? Uh, I was, I could not believe how much I loved it. Like I was really surprised. Cause like, you know, the fact that the strangers is again, a movie that I really, you know, gravitate to- back towards a lot. Um, you know, I was like, man, okay, it's been 10 years. You know, I like Johannes Roberts. Um, I liked 47 meters down. I'm one of the, f- I am one of the few people who actually appreciated what he did with the other side of the door. Um, his first film, I, I remember reviewing years ago, storage 24 wasn't great, but it's been cool to see that he's a director who's made a progression. And I was like, well, what the hell is he going to do with a stranger sequel? Um, and I didn't, I didn't know, like, I just knew the basic premise, you know, family goes, they're in a trailer park and, you know, here comes <laughs> chaos. Um, and th- I think because I knew going into it, cause we watched a video ahead of time where Johannes was talking and he said, you know, his biggest inspiration going into this was like his love of John Carpenter films. Mm-hmm. And so he wanted to figure out a way to make the sequel work where it still felt like it was part of this, you know, the aesthetic that was set in the first one, but it opened it up a little bit. And then he got to play around with a bunch of John Carpenter stuff and then also put in some crazy wacky eighties music. Oh. Um, and I kind of love that. Like, I don't know. Like, I just, I didn't want to see the same movie again. Like, we've seen the couple being in a house by themselves and being tortured, you know, or being chased basically for 90 minutes. And then we see what happens to them at the end. Like, I, you didn't need that movie. That movie exists and it's great. Um, so I like the fact that he took some risks. And I get if people aren't hugely into it. But I, because I'm such a huge slasher fan, like, it really kind of gave me everything I was looking for. Like, that pool scene is one of the best oh, scenes yeah. I've seen in, like, in like a good five years in terms of slasher movies. 
I agree. And you want to talk about someone. And it's I don't know if it's an homage or just straight up just hitting you over the head. But the little um, homage to Christine was. Oh, that was absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. also the, the one was a little bit more subtle, but there was even kind of a little scream reference when he's got the keys and he's jangling them outside of yeah, the car. Yeah. The, which, with the little ghost face with Sydney in the beginning yep, of the first one. Yeah. Yep. Which, no, and I, I like it. I don't know. That was just it was it didn't have to be. I don't know. I, I think people are just looking for. <laughs> something revelatory and right. i think just there's something to be said for like just a straight up slasher that's there to, to party basically <laughs> you can have a good there are worse things you can do than you know not watch the sequel to this and also you you talked about just the use of the 80s songs and genius is a i still have not seen this movie but i love total eclipse of the heart and i heard oh, that it is fucked it up so much more. i heard that it's fantastic and speaking of i just want to say i like storage 47 i mean for storage 24 and like my mom over the weekend saw 47 meters down because it's on Netflix and she called me yep. up and was like, hey, you need to see this movie. It's got this big shark and it's eating girls and it's really good. And I'm like, all right, mom. OK, cool. So you like the big shark movie? Yeah, it's like 47 sharks. I'm like, it's called 47 <laughs> sharks. Something like that. I'm like, OK, I cool. I hope that's the name of the sequel. The sequel? called 47 Sharks. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just Mandy Moore in a cage going down. With 47, 47 sh sharks. She's got to take out each individual one. Each one stronger than the other previous one. <laughs> it's like a weird, like she's like the 47 Ronin, but it's like with sharks. <laughs> <laughs> I would also watch that movie too. You know, there's a lot of possibilities there. Yeah, forget the strangers are martyrs. We're missing let's, out on let's this Let's watch one. a bunch of samurai sharks, dude. That'd be the shit. A Samurai shark committing seppuku. Come yes. on now. And just like fish coming. <laughs> when they chum, it turns out it's something else. Mm -hmm. there's, oh, there's so many ways. Does it, float down, does it float down to like SpongeBob land and they're making sushi? Because I feel like if you're going to do, if you're going to have that many sharks sacrificed, you I might just as, feel like it's a waste. Exactly. Might as well go down to Bikini Bottoms. That's the secret ingredient in the Krabby Patties right there. They're all going down to the chum bucket and just like uh, the salty spittoon. <laughs> Way too much SpongeBob knowledge on your end there. I was gonna yeah. say, is the chum is chum bucket a real place? Because if so, that's I kind of need to catch up on SpongeBob. Right? Is that is that a real place? I or? believe so. Okay. I know the spittoon, the salty spittoon is. I think the chum bucket is like the other bad bar. Well, that's it, the beauty of like children's television today. It actually works for adults. But if you yeah. go back to the stuff that was made in the eighties, no. oh, it's horrible. No, it was just bad. yeah, just all created to sell a toy there. Uh, so Although I'll watch them fucking thundercats oh yeah no that's the intros that made it uh so final thoughts on the strangers for all of us before we uh <laughs> we we experience something here that uh not all of us were ready for uh i enjoyed it i i i want to i want to know who the fuck tamar is did they explain who tamar is in the sequel no they do not and <sighs> and i don't want to spoil anything but it's there's a you know, and I would actually say the closest thing I could say between the strangers and the, the sequel is like what aliens is the alien. So bigger and bombastic. A little bit more. A exactly, little bit more. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I cool. mean, not just almost in by like philosophy. I, I want to see it. I mean, it's not like oh fuck that movie. You know. I mean, I really want to see it. And I really want to see it in the theater, but it's just timing. You know, that's I can't see it all. That's understood. There's too much TV, too many movies there. Mm -hmm. So, the the our next film, and it's one that. I'll, I'll straight up say it. It's not my favorite film. It's one that it, I have to almost like train to watch it. Uh, you know, I have to take three weeks in advance. Um, Heather, you mentioned with Martyrs, you had not watched it yet. And you had to watch it for the first time for this podcast. 
What? Sorry. Yeah. yeah, that was <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what was that like? Um, it was uh it was painful. Uh, but, but here's the here's the thing. Okay. So, when it comes to horror, like I'm like I'll watch mostly anything. I really will. Um, there's certain things where I'm just like, I just know my sense, like my sensibilities as a viewer, and I know what I'm into and what I'm not. Um, in French extremity, you know, extreme <laughs> French horror has never really been my thing. Like I, I watched, you know, High Tension. Okay, cool. You know, um, now I've experienced martyrs. Like, <laughs> who doggy? But here's the thing. Like, for as much as like, it's not what I would call my quote unquote cup of tea. Um, I respect the hell out of this film. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, in terms of basically being sort of your first major film to, you know, for Pascal uh, Lagier, like it's an incredible feat um, that he created with this film. I mean, it's something, you know, wow, we're going to use the word transcend transcendental <laughs> or transcendental. Oh my God. Why not? See, I've said it so much now. It sounds weird to me, um, <laughs> but it's, it really is a remarkable piece of, of cinema. Um, you know, there's clearly an artistic choice in terms of, you know, the way that he stages the camera, the way the camera moves, the edits, you know, the look of the gore, everything like that. Um, and the way that he sort of, you know, goes into the different, you know, acts of violence in the film. Um, but I, I you know, I, it's not a movie I'm going to pop in on a Friday night randomly. <laughs> you know, like I respect the hell out of it. I'm glad that I watched it. Um, because I think that, you know, once you get to the end, the jur the journey, the mm -hmm. destination makes the journey worth it. But you really have to be ready to endure stuff. Um, although I will admit, I actually thought it was going to be, and this sounds crazy, a lot worse. Because I thought it was going to be more of the captivity stuff. Okay. I, I don't mean to interrupt, but I am 100% again on the same page with you. When I saw this, I thought it was going to be – now, I said it before on the thing. I didn't think it was that bad. And when I meant by that, the brutality of it was bad. But just for overall like gore and aesthetics, I thought it was going to be significantly worse over the reputation that it had when I first saw Because I saw it maybe a while ago, but like – I'm like, this I've seen worse, you know. So, and so a woman being filleted really is isn't isn't that's that's not your bar. I'm yeah. curious where the bar is. Oh boy. I'm like, I'm like, I don't know where it goes beyond that. Yeah, like you're, you're literally skinless. Like what happens after that? They didn't get salt and vinegar on it, so I'm oh, so that's okay. yeah, that would have been my thing. Then that's, I'm like, okay, now it's too much, you know. Do, do tequila shots off you, right? You know, you right off, the, off your the, skinless the body. We're doing shooters, you know, just <laughs> or no, it would be French. It would be absentine. They'd be like, is it le vengeance, le, le boue? And then like, it'd be good. Well, we've, we've all talked about it before. This film has a reputation. Yes. This is one of those films that you know of without seeing it. And there's a lot of those films that we grew up with in the seventies and eighties that were kind of those dare films. And dare I say that this is one of those films now. Um, how much had, did you know about it just through reputation itself before actually seeing it? You know, it's funny because um, one of my first Scream Fests uh, I ever went to was Scream Fest 2008. Um, actually, that was my second one. So, um, in Martyrs played there. And I remember it was playing the day after I was supposed to go home. And I was like, well, maybe I should stay. And a director friend of mine was like, you know, and he kind of knew, like, what I like, you know, my proclivities as a fan. And he's like, oh, no. He's like, can I just tell you this? You don't ever need to see Martyrs. <laughs> and he explained to me, like, what the, you know, the concept of it. And, you know, basically, you know, going through all these things to basically become, you know, 
transcend into martyrism or martyrdom. <clears throat> um, and just the way they described it, it was basically like it was, you know, girls being tortured in a room. Mm-hmm. Like, and again, that's what I was expecting for most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was I was pleasantly surprised, if you can be pleasantly surprised during yes. murders, yeah. um, that it was something far more than that. Um, which, you know, and I think that's what made it more interesting to me. Like, and don't get me wrong, the when they get to those parts, I mean... I mean, there's a lot of moments in this film that are just like, oh, you know, you almost have to pause it, like, yeah. and take a go break. out and, like, yeah. you know, take a good couple of swigs of tequila, you know. <laughs> Shooters! <laughs> exactly. Just, you know, walk it off for a few minutes and then come back into it. Um, it's almost, it is an endurance test. Oh, mm-hmm. Very much like these characters are forced to endure. I mean, it really is. And the way that, you know, Pascal Lager, like, punishes you, it's the way that these girls are being punished. Yeah. Um, but I just thought it was really interesting, like, that it wasn't the setup I was expecting. Um, because I, once you realize what sort of the, the game is mm-hmm. um, to the film and you realize that I don't want to say it's purposeful what they're doing, but they're in their eyes it mm-hmm. is. Um, so as me as a viewer, I'm just objectively watching and you understand what, what this is all you know for and not that i'm you know, i'm not that i'm for it or anything but, <laughs> but you're like oh okay so it's not just you know Mindless some torture perv, right you know you know you know holding girls captive uh captive for a year and just torturing for the fun of it um and i thought to, from for me that was like oh okay so we're we're actually doing something with the gore um you know because of course there's a you know the the quote-unquote torture porn phase mm-hmm. um everybody loves th- that word doesn't exist to me so um <laughs> like it's it's a fa- it's fake news if you if you want to go there um i don't believe in torture porn um you know and i could see you know some somebody would be like oh this is such torture porn but i don't think it is because there is a purpose to the right, war right. and there's a purpose to the extremity um and i like the fact that you you don't get to not see it you know what i mean mm-hmm. like at certain points where you're like oh he's coming in to punch her again you know and you're like okay but that's the part of it that's the repetitive mm-hmm. of it that's what's taking her to the next level which is then taking us as viewers to the next level but again am i ever gonna probably watch it no i i think i'm good yeah. i'm good but i'm i am glad i saw it but i did need a i did need a lot of hugs afterwards <laughs> <laughs> well and it, it i mean it is truly it's a film that you do experience right and, and i do say it's dare i say it is a film it looks good it's it's it's, it's beautifully it really, gory and beautifully sinister but yet the beautiful is the main where you adjective. almost feel not guilty but almost dare i dare i say come back to a transcendent because it's like I know I should be reacting in a bad way and most people do. But then, like you said, Heather, you realize that there is, there's like this underpinning philosophy that's driving these mm-hmm. people, which doesn't excuse it by any means, but right. it does give them that purpose. Yeah. Like, I don't want to think that people are like, I'm some sort of monster because right. they're like, Mars wasn't that bad. I'm d- shit. I've done worse. <laughs> but it wasn't, no, not in that. It was brutal and it was punishing and it, it was like hard to watch at times. But at the same time, yeah. Mm. Well, I'm glad you were able to experience it and you were yes. able to walk away from it. <laughs> yeah, you're, is... you, and you're no worse for the wear. Yeah. And I still have my skin, so I'm <laughs> there you go. And tequila shooters. So, <laughs> so only two, only one of these films can go forward into the round of the Frightful Four. And so from here, what we're going to go ahead and do is we're going to start the debate portion, if you will. Mm-hmm. And we've got two topics that we're going to look at. And in the round of the Hateful Eight, the first question that we, we propose to everyone is... What is kind of I want you to define and create 
uh, an aesthetic for the horror of 2008 or just the late aughts in general. Then based on that description and that aesthetic, which of the two films fits that description better? And then finally, we're going to look at which of the two films we're going to be talking about 10 years later. So let's go ahead and open it up. Heather, if you were trying to define like just kind of an aesthetic, a feel for horror in 2008, what would it be? Ooh, no pressure. Um, so, you know, it's funny because we talked a little bit about this because of, you know, where society was at mm -hmm. that point. I think if there were two words that really describe, I think, the world at large, which I think also spills into into horror, would be hopeless and hopeful. Mm -hmm. Because for as, as fucked up as everything was, there's still that part of us that clings to the idea that there's something better. Yes, we can. Um, yep. You know, and I think that's really reflected in a lot of the films. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of not great horror movies in, in 2008, but there's, you know, there's some movies that really, they, they put you through your paces, but you sort of come out with a better understanding by the end, I guess is the best way to put it. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, because it's, it's funny because I was, when I was going back and looking at it, I was like, oh man, we had some really interesting films in 2008 because we had like let the right one in and mm -hmm. we had dead girl um and it's it, it wasn't an easy year for horror mm -hmm. um i think even uh, excision which is probably my favorite film from richard bates um that i feel like you know should be talked about a little bit more like i it's one of those like oh okay like um oh you know what i'm sorry i think his short film came out that year i think it was his the feature came out in 2013 sorry mm -hmm. i'm an idiot um but you know, it was it was this equal mix of like, oh man, things can't possibly get worse, but in the back of our minds, like, well, maybe even though they can get worse, they might get better. Um, and I think that was kind of where we saw what the where the genre was at mm -hmm. um, at that time, and also a lot of like teen horror, which just was blah. Yeah. So based on that, which of the two films, The Stranger or Martyrs, fits that aesthetic a little bit better? <sighs> I think The Strangers. Like martyrs, I, especially because of what happens with Mademoiselle at the end, oh, yeah. um, where after she, you know, talks to Anna and you know finds out what is there be you know beyond, beyond. life. Mm -hmm. Now, I, we, between we, life and death, like I know that's sort of open interpretation, right. but the, she blows her brains out, <laughs> so I can't imagine it's all good news. So, what do you think she said? I don't know. It's um, that's a tough one. That's tough. Is, is and we've talked was about it like, before. Is was there? It, I, I like to whisper too. I don't know. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> one of my favorite elf references. Talking oh. horror, I'll just throw it out to elf. Oh, right, that's perfect. That's wonderful. Yeah. And, and, uh, honestly, in the context of the podcast, it's perfect. So we do have a vote for the strangers. So genius. An aesthetic of 2008. She took my word hopeless and hopeful because it was 2008 and it was the Yes We Can movement. And shit was going bad. I mean, shit was bad. But in movies and horror, I think there was two main aspects. One, they were taking a minimalistic approach. And and they were also going extreme gore. And and those both were for the a direct answer to the late 90s with the very sterile, very teen-friendly um, horror that we had in the 90s, a lot of the PG-13s. So they went to the farthest extreme to go as far into the psyche and to be gross as possible or shocking as possible or whatever because horror fans, I think, at this point in time were tired of the safe PG-13 horror. Yeah. So um, I think for the best 90s aesthetic out of that, 
2000s. Uh, I'm sorry. Going back sorry, I'm sorry. I, I got my decades. Uh, the, but the best 2000 aesthetics, because of that, I have to go with The Strangers because it was more minimalistic. And the French extreme was extreme. It wasn't necessarily indicative to what the main line of horror was going. It was its own main theme. Mm-hmm. So for overall, the aesthetic, I think The Strangers has that one. Okay. We've got another vote for The Strangers. And I'm going to kind of piggyback on what you guys both initially said. There, it's the horrors of humanity. We're peeking into not monsters, not the supernatural, but all the Us. nastiness. And in 2008, we saw it. Um, so I think ultimately with that, um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to get my vote for the martyrs because the one thing that really bothered me, and I, uh, it's a good villain needs to feel like what they're doing is right. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, the the, the society behind martyrs, uh, you know, they, they really feel they're doing something worthwhile. And it's horrible crusty old rich people unfortunately mm-hmm. when they have too much time on their hands where this yeah. happens but they ultimately are trying to drive for a reason for that and for that i think ultimately like you mentioned um the kind of the hope on everything yeah god that's i know it's more perverted but i think there is they're, hope in that in that philosophy they're looking for something more something yes. better the better deal coming along because obviously everything here in the world is shit and so yeah. what can we look for beyond and because of that i'm going to go with martyrs mm-hmm. now Ultimately, here it is, 2018. We're talking about films from 2008. Ten years is kind of the the watermark, you know, if you've got legs with your film. So ultimately, in 2028, what uh, what film, The Strangers of the Martyrs, will we still be talking about? So, Heather, I'm going to throw this one out to you. Uh, well, hopefully The Strangers, just because maybe we'll get that third sequel by 2028. <laughs> like, maybe they'll go on a 10-year like run where every 10 years we get new strangers. Um yeah, here's the thing, because like, for me, when you when you talk about general consensus or general discussion around film, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're talking about accessibility in a way. Um, movies that can connect with people from all walks. Um, you throw on martyrs for ninety percent of you know <laughs> audiences out there, and they're gonna like rip you apart. Like they're, they're gonna burn you at the stakes. Um, so for me, it, it all kind of comes down to the films that can sort of have that discussion where I don't, I mean, the thing is, it's like the only thing I feel like martyrs, you know, other than it being itself a really great piece of work of, of art. Um, the only thing that it's really brought to the conversation, because I think people really quickly sort of rode that wave of French, uh, French extremity. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, okay, I'm cool. I'm good. Um, but we, it's not a thing really. Um, you know, again, I would call it, you know, sort of the torture porn wave, if you will, um, or the, the Eli Roth wave, if you if you even <laughs> will more. Yeah. Um, you know, I just, I don't see Martyrs being a movie that generally will be discussed in 10 years. Um, I don't, I, that's not to say I don't think it's a better piece of quote unquote art, mm-hmm. um, because I think it has something more profound to say than The Strangers. But I think it in general, you know, discussion, I think The Strangers is a movie that's gonna endure um because i think it's again it also comes down to like new generations accepting of that art and stuff like that and i just don't see like (laughs) normal 16 year olds being like other than daring each other like we used to do with faces of death um you know i mean maybe this is their faces of death but i feel like the strangers would be something they would go back to again and again so i don't know but i think for me it's the strangers nope that is perfect well said and definitely showing the work there genius um, 
she brought up some very good points, which I'm like trying to think about now. But um, The Strangers is a fantastic home invasion movie, and it is more easily acceptable. And I think in all the home invasion movies, that The Strangers is not only it's one of the crowning jewels of the whole genre subgenre. But we're talking about tit- martyrs ten years later, and there's still people who won't even see it based on reputation alone. And I think that's still going to continue when we talk about like, oh, the martyrs, oh, oh martyrs. Have you seen that? Like, no. Ooh, that's a hard film, you know. But are you having it? But here's the thing. I'm, I'm going to push back a little bit. Are you yeah. having a discussion if it's just people daring each other to watch it? Because mm. it's the same thing with Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah. Yeah. Like, There's... I don't see people discussing Cannibal Holocaust, but I do see people like, well, you know, when you, you know, I'm going to make you watch Cannibal Holocaust one of these days. Um, but at the same time, I don't see people talking about don't answer the door. You know what I'm saying? So it's like. Are you kidding? <laughs> Nobody answers the door. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> I'm gonna go martyrs okay, though. Nope. I think I think I think we're still gonna have we're still you're still gonna have those sixteen year old people who are daring each other to see martyrs. And because of that, that legacy is gonna go on. Like Cannibal Holocaust, like Faces of Death, movies that still have midnight screenings. You know, I think people are more gonna be apt to see midnight screenings of martyrs than they would of the original strangers. Okay. You know? No, that makes sense. And I you Man, both of you bring up really good points on that. Um, so much to the point, I'm actually changing my my answer. Um, man, I was originally going to say, I think ultimately I was going to initially say Martyrs based on the fact that it was kind of the crowning achievement of the... No, I'm not going to say the crowning achievement, but it's one of those films in the French extreme movement that kind of... The face of the French extreme yes. movement. And as you both mentioned, it's one of those films that we don't necessarily talk about, it, but... You experience it or you go through it. And like you said, there's not a lot of repeated viewings with that. And I think that's what's something that you need to take into account. Very good point. And with The Strangers, and the fact that The Martyrs got a remake, a U.S. remake, as mm-hmm. they always do. The Strangers, however, you know, you got a sequel now. Yeah. Ten years later, you get a sequel. But I think that, string, that speaks to the strength of the film the fact that it's more accessible mm-hmm. than Martyrs. Yeah. And I think that comes into play. Now, I think that people will still be talking about Martyrs, but as kind of Heather said, it's not necessarily going to be a good thing. It's just going to be, again, let's yeah. let's watch this experience and go from there. So ultimately, my vote is, in this case, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say The Strangers in 2028. And like Heather said, hopefully we'll be seen. I, I don't know. They're going to go from, uh, uh, like, what was it? The, uh, the out of the way home to the trailer park now where are they going to go with a third one apartment that's... complex space oh uh, no that's the fourth one that's the f- after they've done they got to go the critters route so you have the main house right then you have the trailer park then you have the apartment complex in three then you have space in part four okay that, i'll buy that I, yeah. I was gonna say yeah that's again showing it's like, your work yeah, it's time to home it's, fu- it's funny because like when we were talking about this like i was thinking about it and i'm like you know, because I was thinking, well, is, is Martyrs really sort of – because I would say 2007-8 is when we started to see these, quote-unquote – and God, I hate saying it because it's so pretentious um, – but these sort of art house slash elevated horror movies mm-hmm. um, kind of come in vogue. And I think that was in reference to what you guys mentioned earlier about, like, you know, sort of these generic, you know, horror movies that kind of plague the early aughts, um, if you will – and so this would have been a much different discussion if it had been like the strangers versus like let the right one in. Yeah. Cause I think that movie really was the movie that started to change the tide. 
um, in terms of accepting like foreign horror over here. Like people realize like, oh, there's some really good stuff out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also that this idea of like like that sort of aesthetic. Um, but I think Martyrs does a great job of it too. Um, it's just it's, it's, most of it's covered in blood. <laughs> and I'll agree with you on that one on the one uh, on Greg with uh, I've seen Martyrs twice, right? I've seen strangers like four or five times. So yeah, I, I, I think you're, you're onto something with that. Well, and I guess it's showing here in the work because by a count of four votes to two, uh, the martyrs did answer the door when it was knocked upon and the strangers are going into the round of the frightful four to represent the year of 2008. All right. Sweet. That is. So at this point now, uh, as the listeners, it is up to you. We're going to be polling uh, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, Twitter mm-hmm. at nightmare junk, Facebook Nightmare Junkhead and Instagram on Nerds of Nostalgia, and we're gonna you're gonna we've got Halloween mm-hmm. going up against the Strangers, and They Live going up against Blade. So again, it is up to you guys. You're gonna be voting on this. Make sure you put show it out there. your work. Show your work. Don't just say Blade. It's fucking Blade. That's my. That's, that's mine. That's mine. I mean, I don't even know what much more work you. I, I mean, I can already tell you <laughs> what your final two are. Like, well, okay. I but, mean, I ooh, love all these go. movies, but I feel like I know where this is. This is headed, and that's okay. Because I am a big fan of Carpenter Town. Oh, so, uh, <laughs> so what? Town. So is that is Carpenter Town? So are you thinking it's uh, Halloween versus They Live? I, I mean, if I was a betting person, I would I would think it's going to go Halloween versus They Live. But man, that's like that's some Sophie's choice there because I love Blade yeah, and I love the Strangers. It's fucking Blade. It's fucking Blade. That's all there is to it. Well, I think, and I'd like to thank every single podcast that yes, came in here yes, because I absolutely. think because of uh, people like Heather that we get these great matchups in the Frightful Four, and that all comes through talk, debate, and the love of horror. And Heather, thank you so much for taking the time Absolutely. again to talk with us, to debate. To, and again, I guess we should again offer an apology for making you experience martyrs. <laughs> no, that's okay. I'll, I'll go like turn on like the Care Bears movie or something tonight. <laughs> Keep doubting. Wash it all away. <laughs> no, I'm again, like I said, it's, it's, it's a movie that I'm like, I would have never watched otherwise, but I'm glad I did because yeah. I've, ex- I've experienced it now. I feel like I'm a more well-rounded horror fan, <laughs> um, you know. I probably won't ever see it again, but I am <laughs> glad I did see it. It, it. it is a movie like if somebody were like, oh, I don't think I could sit through it, I would never begrudge them that because I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, if you feel like you've got the quote unquote stomach for it, it's worth it. I think once you get to the end um, and you really see how it all what it's leading towards, um, I think it's really it's a it, it, it's hard to say, but it's, it's a beautiful film in a lot of ways. Mm hmm. It's pretty in its ugliness. It's ugliness. Yeah, exactly. That's a, couldn't think of a better way to end that way. Uh, so again, you guys, make sure you are following Heather at the Horror Chick. Make sure you vote for the Rondo Awards, and make sure you pick up the Monster Squad book. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Heather, thank you for taking the time to talk with us. Um, final thoughts here, genius. For uh, our, I'm excited to see who wins. I, I mean, too. last year was Nightmare Three, and this year we've got a nice four final four. These are. They definitely have risen to the top. So. I agree. And so uh, I guess until the next time, guys, this is Greg D. And I'm Genius McGee. And we will see you in your dreams. Yeah.